to on. All right, we should be good. We should be good. And if you if you have like your cell phone with you, you could uh, you can go to this video while it's streaming live and watch the comments if you want to. And then what we do is, ah, oh, we hear you. I was just gonna ask, can you guys hear us both? Hello. You're Al, and you can hear me. Usually, there's a delay, so. At some point, 15 people are like, we oh. hear you, and then bam, we're... At some point, 15 people... There you go. I'm not got it. There we go. Everyone says good. Oh, good. All right. Yeah, we're already... The thing has a delay, too, but already 50 people are on, so... All right, well, we'll get right into it, so... Uh, you want to introduce yourself? I'm Al from the skid factory in Australia. We build stuff in my shed and make a YouTube show. Perfect. YouTube. All right. And then, uh, yeah, I would say. Also I, known as Turbo Yoda, but I don't call myself that. Yeah. Other people call me that. Third person. It suggests that I know everything about turbos, which I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so that was leading into, uh, I asked you it when we first started, but that was not online. But uh, what is it you do now? And uh, is your skid factory a shop or do you manage any other shops or whatever? So, No, now we just are a YouTube show. We don't, I don't work on cars for customers anymore. Just, just whatever we're building for the show. So generally we take on a big project, which would have been a paid job back in the, you know, when I did have my own business, um, which I did have a business in that in the shed there, as well as another one um, years ago. But uh, we found that once the YouTube show got, got popular enough that we had to either not do it anymore or put it all into it because it is actually a full-time job. Um, so we chose to go that way and it, and it grew, so we're happy. Yeah, why not? probably more fun not dealing with customers and mostly your friends yeah your that's stuff. exactly right yeah that's another thing yeah. i i always wanted to do with these whenever i have tuners or shop owners on i almost want to have everybody all over again and we'll talk about how much worse customers are now <laughs> i i you were talking about managing people's expectations or someone was on one of the, yeah, I always one of the podcasts and i was like yeah, that's that's exactly what it is that's yeah most of your work as a business is is managing the customer it's not so much the the vehicle it's it's just a piece of metal and plastic and wires so they're easy to deal with but the the um what a customer thinks they're getting and stuff like that is another story yeah absolutely and then uh oh well that's what i mean you already answered this too i always ask these similar questions when people are on it says what did you do before this but you had a shop and everything else too yeah, I had a. I started a business. I don't know, probably fifteen years ago in in the shed that I still work in now, um, with a friend who's Dose Vader off um, Mighty Car Mods. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't think he named himself that. But yeah, we we started working on. Uh, I was a Subaru mechanic, and I'd spent years working in a, a Subaru repair centre. Um, so I got to know Subarus really well and I did, I, I liked them. They're easy to work on and 
we found this niche market where there's a certain generation of there's 10 years of Subaru legacies or liberties in, a, in Australia that, that didn't have turbo engines. And there's just this huge market of, of people that wanted to put turbo engines into their non-turbo cars. So we would just, we pretty much did it non-stop from people sent their cars from Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, all over the place to get these, this job done because we knew how to do it perfectly because we'd done so many of them. So um, that that moved on to moving into a, in like a factory, like a uh, industrial shed in in the main town. And um, I yeah, think we I remember spent... in like old Mighty Car Mods videos where they came to you guys for engines. Yeah, you had right, those yeah. giant racks, and you had half cuts, front cuts of everything from. Yeah, that's how we used to get the the. Um, they, they used to just chop the cars enough. It was the most the simplest way to send. Um, then there's no the reality. Yeah, then everything's in there. Yeah, you could, you could you literally put fuel into them and start them. Like we just used to run them. It was just a half a car <laughs> that still ran. So yeah, there's all sorts of cool stuff coming out of Japan back then. So we'd get you know, I know you, no one likes Subarus anymore, but SDI stuff that was rare and you never sold here or in America or, you guys or anywhere right there in Japan. So yeah, so and they were cheap. Everything was cheap back then. We used to just buy two JZs for nothing, and yeah, we we ended up moving on from Subarus to two Js and just things that we could get, which were I would probably call that us our sloppy stuff because we used to just get two JZs and and put bigger injectors in them and then put a little controller on them and turn down the injector duty at idle and then let it go and just put boost into it until it reached <laughs> the right AFR. Like a SAFC or an FMU or something or both? SAFC, yeah, that's what we used to use. It worked really well, but it only worked on two JZs and one JZ. You'd probably do it on an RB, RB25 or something and it would just blow up, you know, destroy it. I remember you saying that in an episode, talking about the it worked great yeah. right on a 2J. Now I look back at it now and go, wow, that was rough as guts. But they honestly rude. never failed. Like you could do anything to those engines and they wouldn't break. <laughs> so. That's what you guys have that RB30, that single cam. That's so cool. Every time yeah. I see one in those full boost videos, I'm like, man, that RB30 is sick. We, we don't have that stuff, obviously. Yeah, that was, that's an iconic. That was, the, that was the first time Australians understood how you could make an engine that was really nice and smooth and did everything good. Whereas prior to that, we we had like 1960s straight sixes, kind of like that, like as stove stove bolt engines, but 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 small, like three liter. That was what the cars had in them before that, with a horrible. And then all of a sudden, they they couldn't get them through emissions in '86 when we started using catalytic converters. So it's like, oh, we just use this Nissan engine. It's like this thing is this is from outer space. It's that much better like, uh, it wasn't even discernible what's that quote where any advanced technology is indiscernible from magic or whatever yeah exactly you guys yeah. went straight to magic yeah so and it was then, a bit uh, like then we went back to 3800 series twos in the commodores oh yeah because that, of, we have that same the thing. 30s were too expensive <laughs> so i'm not sure what, what sort of quantum leap that backwards that was but i'd love to do uh 2j stuff but I see. I feel like they're expensive here, also. I, I feel like it's kind of like it's missing going back the boat up again. Now. They were so cheap back then. They 
the eight to ten grand for a second hand engine now. But no, no one's going there. You can buy a lot of LSs and put Chinese turbos on them for that. So. Yeah, well, we were thinking about uh, someone's asking stuff about uh, the forty two hundred now. I'd love to do a forty two hundred, especially because my buddy Calvin is really mm. ramping that up. He's not scared, so he's just doing everything. But those sound like a big super engine. They sound so cool. Yeah, that's yeah, that's cool our design. era. I have been watching all the uh, Calvin stuff on the on the forty two hundred. It's interesting to see. Hey, when does this break? Because it's like LS, as they used to say, they broke at 700 horsepower or whatever, for whatever reason. But then later on, they didn't because people learned how to tune them properly. So Yeah, the tuning window now is gigantic. It's so easy to get. Like we were talking about the Nexus, stuff like that. You know, well, you had to have an SAFC and then large injectors. Just I remember my friend having a Turbo Civic and it would idle with like a 9.8 air fuel. That's all he could get out of it. Yeah, There's no way to control a giant injector. And then on we top used to of put that, so he, much fuel pressure into these things that they wouldn't start. Yeah, the injector wouldn't. Have. <laughs> yeah, he had an FMU too, uh, the one where you could change the amount instead of swapping out the discs. Did you ever use both of those? We never had those things. I don't think FMU? we had aftermarket ECUs like so much so long ago that we never sort of really. They didn't work very well until the two thousands, but but yeah, it was a big. You know, we had Motec and Haltech. That, that's all stuff from the eighties. They started, so yeah, we had we were sport for choice, and when it came to stuff like that, but uh, getting people to tune it properly so it doesn't blow up is another story. Yeah, people who are competent is always a difficulty. You can hand someone a Holly car that'll tune itself, and someone can still spit it. <laughs> still, just add some more timing; it'd be sweet. The uh, now there's some good questions. People are asking. Uh, Potato R33 is here. Which, yeah. I think if you've watched some of my shows, you know he always yeah. throws down awesome questions. But uh, I'm I'm pasting them in there, buddy. So we'll get to them then. And then uh, my next one is like just all these are personal questions, and then we're going to go to people's. Uh, what got you into cars in the first place? Uh, probably my dad. We we lived on a farm and we're poor, and dad used to just like fix everything, make everything, and on it, we did it on a dirt farm shed floor and. Um, we, yeah, it was just always cars and I just, I, I was into push bikes when I was younger and then sort of moved on to more complex machines, I suppose. So we just used to fix everything, old Toyota Kronas from the 60s and Datsuns and stuff like that. Just all fringe cars that weren't worth much compared to a Holden or a Ford, which was your mainstream family car. So, yeah, and that, that was the only thing I ever wanted to do was be a mechanic. It was the only thing I was like that focusedly interested in, you know, like I, I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. So, so and you already had all that cars. practical knowledge going, so it might as well. So this, uh, my next one is what was your first car? Uh, 1968 Datsun 1000. Oh man, what is which, that? Uh, it's a very small car with a one liter engine. Uh, I can't remember the code for it. I think they called them Sunnies in in, in Japan. But yeah, I don't think you would have had them in America. No. If it was cool, we certainly didn't have it. I don't think anyone thought it was cool when I when I had it, but they do now. There's <laughs> lots of middle-aged men frothing over old Datsuns now. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, it's that thing. It's like old, Nostalgia, old, yeah. 
air-cooled Porsches here now are through the roof. People that drink whiskey and wear boat shoes need to have them to impress people they don't know. Uh, Okay, the next one is, uh, when did you first hear about Sloppy Mechanics? Um, One of my friends said, hey, you should watch this. I can't remember who it was, but yeah, I, I think the first episode I watched was you, when you were putting the two different cylinder heads on the (laughs) <laughs> on the Fairmont and then driving it. That's a long time ago. Jeez. Like, <laughs> that, that means you've been watching for a long time. The total opposite of the way our sort of car culture is going here is, is just spending money more. Everyone's judging you by what, what, uh, what you're doing. But we don't have much racetracks here, so you can't. Well, I mean, people would judge me too. It's just I did not care. <laughs> I didn't yeah. care because I was like, all of you are wrong, and I'm going to show you why. And uh, that, to me, is way more fun than even building a car. The results are there. Yeah. But I like when people I people BS back and forth, and then I'll be like, that doesn't work. And they'll be like, how do you know? I'm like, well, I did it 35 times in a row, and it worked <laughs> every time. And I also did uh, 12 videos on it, and you can watch them right now. And yeah. they're like, oh. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So you're full of shit. <laughs> It's all for call-outs. I did this for the last 16 years just to call people out. Can't stop now, right? Uh, okay. Uh, my next one was just to say, like, do you have any opening conversation pieces that people need to hear about or you'd like to air out about, like, Australian car culture or you think we have it better or any anything like that? Um, I think... Obviously, it's a lot freer, like having been to the States a couple of years in a row and seeing, um, like, South Carolina and North Carolina and all that. It's like, well, you guys can just do anything and it doesn't matter. (laughs) South especially. People just are laid back and they don't care. Yeah. There's not many um, laws about it and the people don't care. It's not a big deal. Yeah, it seems to be a real um, people of, you know, a lot of Karens got on board and, and... just slowly degraded what was acceptable. So, yeah, you can't even drive up the street with a loud car without getting people frowning at you here. Um, so, I don't know. It is they what it is. There's not a lot we can do about off, it. Like a whole part of Australia for you guys. <laughs> and just like, uh, you know, just do whatever the hell you want there. Yeah. Well, necessity is the mother of invention. So we have all these track days and stuff that people in the States go, wow, how can you do that? Like we go to a, like a circuit racing track and just drag race each other up the straights. Yeah, I love those, the power cruise yeah. things. That's yeah, so awesome cool. fun. But just... yeah, that was, that was born because you can't do the things. Yeah. You can't do a damn thing on the road that you can do in the States. So, but uh, you know, we're, we're pretty similar in a lot of ways culturally, but also, also not. So, uh, but I enjoyed my time in, in the States. I can't wait to go back. So hopefully <laughs> this COVID thing goes away sooner rather than later. Okay, here's the first one from Sky, uh, Sky Schmidt. He says, 2JZ, RB, RB26, Barra, or Vortec? For what? That, there's nothing <laughs> what else there. <laughs> nope, I guess you just have uh, to... I don't know about Vortec 4200s. Or the, I'd love to to see one like i've been following the the um people fiddling around with them and i think that's pretty cool so um 
I'll keep watching Calvin for that. RBs and TJZs. RBs are junk compared to TJZs. They just are. That's my They're understanding no, is like the oil No, we're near as strong. Not, there's so many things that aren't aren't as good from factory, that's for sure. Uh, but they're still cool. Um, Barra. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Barra questions. Uh, they're great engines, but they're not they're not a dig it out of a junkyard and, and make 800 horsepower. It, it's not a TJ and it's not an LS. It's only the only the good turbo engines are the ones that will do that, and they're, they're not cheap. They've got like a, a much better factory bottom end in them that, that doesn't spit rods and that sort of thing. So, yeah, but, you know, a set of rods is pretty cheap. I like the full boost always says two, uh, 2K Barra, 2K Barra, <laughs> yeah. eights, sevens, $2,000. Yeah, those guys are funny. With the crazy um, guy laughing with one tooth. Yeah. <laughs> I want to have those guys on, like uh, Luke and his brother. Jordy, yeah. And then I want to have uh, Paul on sometime, too. That would be cool to get all the Nazis on. Now that I know everybody, uh, like you, you said, it's eight here is ten there. So it's, like, not bad at all. Yeah. I'd love to have, maybe you could talk to him if you know him fairly well, Scotty from Haltech. Yeah. It'd be cool to have um, him just because of the all the ECU stuff. I'd love to hear. You guys about. could nerd out like crazy. He's, yeah, he's he's um super mega nerd. I'd love Good. to. We'll talk. To, we'll do a ten hour show with him. Yeah, it's heaps of good guys at Haltech actually. Some they they've done a bloody amazing job of advancing that business with um, bringing in really smart people like the Andy White is was Adaptronic, that was his company, and they basically sort of bought him and the company just to get him because he was an amazing developer, but I don't think he ever had the the money or the the structure behind him yeah, to... backing to and put, footing and all that stuff, right? To put the, all that cool shit that is in his head to, um, you know, into, into reality, which is pretty much what the Nexus R5 is. That's it's his baby? That's sort of, yeah, there's a lot of, and it works great. So, yeah, there's a lot of cool, smart people around here. I can also tell from Haltech's videos that Scotty, Scotty used to be very nervous on camera. And now, like, I think Mighty Carmods helped him with that. Now he's yeah. just like, he's like, well, whatever. He's just talking like normal. Yeah, probably realized that he does know a lot more than most people ever, ever can. So, yeah, just got to roll with that. I think the other thing is people are worried about what to say and if people are going to judge them or whatever, but then you get to a point where like you just speak normally and you're fine. Yeah. Yeah, I felt... I had that same problem, of course, when we first started. Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. But um, I think the biggest problem is people don't know what they look like and what they sound like. So <laughs> that doesn't bother me either. Like <laughs> look at me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I got over that ages ago. But yeah, I did help a few guys that have started their own YouTube channels just to, to just get just ignore this. What what you sound like and look like is what you've always sounded and looked like just that's because everybody you sees you as yeah, and they don't tell you to get already. lost. So especially because when you're watching a guy hang a turbo on that Bedford van, you don't really give a shit what he looks like. <laughs> you want to know what turbo and what they're doing. Like, yeah, that's yeah. the other thing people don't 
I don't it's need to put on makeup fans. for you guys. People, are not looking. People aren't there to look at my beauty. That's for sure. I haven't had a haircut, and I haven't. My neck beard is getting out of control, and yeah. The only person that cares is my wife. She's like, "You look homeless now." Yeah. Trim that because uh, you look disgusting. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't. I've never had a problem with that. Uh, ironically, because I'm like, I have like some social weirdness and stuff going on, but. I can always, uh, I don't, it's weird. Like, I can talk to a room full of people and not care and be fine. But then, like, if there's a lot of people somewhere, I'll turn around. Like, <laughs> it makes no sense. Uh, that's why it's funny that I'm, like, introverted, but then I have a YouTube channel. That mm. None of it really. It sounds like me. Yeah. That's think... what all my, all my friends that I grew up with are just like, how? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talking, not a big thing. But here we are. Yeah, funny, right? Weird. Uh, <laughs> Potato R thirty three. We got. I'm gonna ask the first one from him because I like that he uh, he usually goes. It's a car, car, car. It's too much sometimes. And then he asks like, "What's the biggest hammer in your shop?" And will you show it to us? Like it's just a nice break. I really appreciate. Yeah, I saw all those ones. What's your biggest hammer? And will you bash just, something with it? <laughs> just ask like four things in a row here too. It's ridiculous. We'll tell him to chill for a while. He would be a great interviewer just because, like, the stuff that he... I think I'm random sometimes, and this guy just throws it down. Uh, what car would you build for shits and giggles, but never will because it's not worth the money or time? I think I'd build heaps of them like, for that, and still do. Like Volvos with Toyota V8 turbos in them, and just, just troll cars. That's that old... Not the white Volvo, but the old wagon that we built. It's like the you know the old grammar school teacher's Volvo wagon. We we literally just bought it because it's the stupidest car ever that should go fast, and yeah, took, took it to those power cruise things just to be trolls and beat people in a Volvo station wagon. That's what I like about that van, just sticking it to all those pretty fast things. I mean, oh. that's why I started building Fairmonts because they were ugly and cheap. I bought most of the first ones for three or four hundred dollars. Yeah. Now some jerk ruined the pricing on them. <laughs> Sloppy tax. Yep, it's uh, it, it's real. Unfortunately, like I always, I think I've said this before on other radio shows. Like everyone watched the Fast and Furious, and they're like, whatever, whatever Dom uses, the kids want. And like that was such a funny joke. But and then the one day my friends like that's that's you, that's not a joke <laughs> anymore. That's like you talk about something and it sells out. I'm like. It is weird. I don't like to think about it. You're, you're an influencer. Sometimes I tell people, I'm like, buy these map sensors before they go out of stock. Like the $18 four-bar map sensor we found. Oh, yeah? It's a GM. It's It goes in like a Cadillac ATS. It's a two-liter turbo motor that's in Buicks, Cadillacs, a bunch of other things. It's an $18 genuine AC Delco Bosch part, and it reads wow. 40, 46 pounds, $18, and a genuine part. Not a eBay China junk. Yeah. Unbelievable. Cool. Oh, I'm interested in Alan's thoughts on the Nexus R5 and Millsy's van. Uh, I love it. It's awesome. We were talking about this earlier. That, you know, it's, um, I, don't know, I don't like to use the term game changer because it sounds, sounds like something on Instagram, but um, it's pretty impressive, for, especially since it's pretty much just debuted. There's not that many of them around and, and everything worked 
and was really flexible about the way you could make things work and and um yeah it's just a lot of work to wire up all those wires but i've downloaded the software and opened the projects and the way to the way they integrate input output in the software and then straight to a power output and you can set like the uh everything you can normally do on a pdm like you can do spike uh what's it called uh like when you turn on an electric fan and it goes 70 yeah. amps and then it falls to 10. Start voltage and that sort of thing. You can you can um, change all that so that soft starts. and They call it inrush. Yeah, and then you can soft start stuff that yanks 76 amps for no reason so it never goes over 20. And It's like an aftermarket thermo fan that, that will blow any fuse. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I've done a bunch of clamp tests on like the Ford ones. And it will, for the first, like, quarter second, yank 76 amps. Yeah. And then it goes down to 10 when it's at full speed. Yeah. It's bizarre, isn't it? You could literally have a 10 amper or 15 amper on it if it didn't yank half of your alternator when it turned on. And instantly blow any fuse that you fit to it. It's so painful. But they're supposed to be run off a a, um, solid-state relay, I suppose, so... That, that never happens in factory form yeah. because they they do soft start them. All right. Do you like slow cars that you can drive on the edge or fast cars that scare you? Fast cars that scare me because I'm not much of a driver. Me too. I just want to do 1,100-foot <laughs> burnouts and wave to people one-handed. Why no more turbo boozes or ZX6Rs or twin turbo... CB 750s. I don't know what that's about. Did you used to have turbo boosters or something? I've only ever oh. turbo one motorbike set. I think you might be asking me because I had nitrous boosters uh-huh. and I had a ZX6R with uh, a turbo and nitrous and yeah. I don't know. I don't. I, I have a child that depends on me, so I sold <laughs> all my street bikes because I had absolutely no regard. Uh, I would do sit down wheelies to like 135. Yeah. So I realized my I made a promise to a small human being, and mm. my life expectancy uh, was not as good with those activities, especially with how bad people in the Northeast drive. And yeah. our roads are terrible, too. You can't, I, I don't know how people enjoy a bike anymore. I, I can't even stand to drive on the roads. There's a lot of room for bad things to happen on big street bikes, isn't there? Yeah, it's like 300 pounds versus 3,000. There's a lot of momentum and mass there oh, here we go what is your favorite non-car related that you never is this an incomplete question what is your favorite non-car related that you never ever want to miss again yeah it's incomplete so you can pass or think about what he's trying to ask non-car related activity that you never none of this makes sense i'm sorry <laughs> like this might skip that one english might not be his first language his last name is you know kind of looks sounds swedish but what's your favorite fragrance of little trees do you guys even have those down there yeah yeah we sell them with my head on them really oh yeah you do (laughs) i've seen those now that you talk about it what's your i think they're just called new car smell but i don't know are you the one with your head on it is new car smell or do you come in many scents no just the one i think it's just new car smell and um Oh, we've got one with a turbo on it and one with a... What's the other one? I don't run the merch store. It's not my gig. 
I'll ask this one quick because it's funny in the chat. It says, ask Alan if Kiwis and Aussies really don't get along or is that just a meme? That's just a meme. We just laugh at their funny accent uh, and they probably do the same thing to us. Because they're right there yet they sound to It's the same with us, like a state over sometimes. Yeah. Like from me to New York, like Long Island, which is like 45 minutes above me. You, I mean, you can barely understand people. You're like, why are you talking like that? <laughs> why? Uh, how cool are five liter fox bodies now? Do you guys? I've seen fox bodies in your videos. But I, I don't know if they're imported. Here, yeah, there's a fair few in the country now, but um, they were never sold here, obviously. So yeah, that's what I thought. There, I saw ones on like full boost, and I'm like, how the hell is a fox body there? That must be, you know. Oh, that's probably Jason from Tough Man. It's a white one. Uh, I, don't, with, um, I don't remember, but I was my brain was like, it? it was like VL, 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 Fox Body. I was like, whoa. <laughs> and then it was like Falcon, Falcon, Falcon. And I'm like, oh, what well, was a Fox Body there? I'm I, like, wait, is this an event that's somewhere else now? I think a VL is our Fox Body. I think so too, it's yeah. With the cooler been... hanging out to the ground, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> the front's a door wedge and you can't fit anything, so you just stick it all the way out. Oh, uh, it's just, it's just, that's the, the generic intercooler, the 600 by 300. That's, that's, if you just bought a different one, it'd fit all right. But that, I think at the time, people wanted everyone to know that they had an uh, intercooler because it was really special back then. Because they're not what intercooler. What we would call a flex. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Look at that intercooler. Uh, this is what I asked too. What is the famous lemon squash really? It's beer. It's just beer. It's okay. local beer in an, a yellow can. And yeah, I was explaining this to Matt before, but it's um, when we first started the channel, we didn't know whether it was okay to drink beer on 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 screen. So we, we just put them inside a, a koozie or a stubby cooler and, and just said, uh, it looks like a, a can of lemon squash, like Solo or something like that. So let's just call it lemon squash, and it just stuck. You didn't want to get demonetized over something so retarded. Yeah, we just weren't sure, so we thought, oh, we'll just pretend it's something else. It is. <laughs> it's better to error on safe with YouTube. They'll just Indeed. delete your whole channel and never talk to you ever again. Pretty awesome. Yeah, it's, it's enough of a mystery ride as it is without without them not being happy at you. Yeah. Trying, to, trying to figure out what YouTube wants at any time is... Very, very difficult. And then how do you call them and be like, hey, guys, no. what happened to my channel? What'd you do? Call who? Yeah. Can I get it turned back on or is it is it missing? And everyone just shrugs. You're like, okay, cool. Cool. It's not like it was my livelihood or anything. Thanks. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder whether humans actually work at YouTube or not. <laughs> not just some sort of um, like. Uh, I was actually so interested. Alternative ending to Terminator 2 or so. Yeah. No <laughs> Where kidding. instead of launching Skymish, they launched YouTube and controlled the humans that way. Yeah. I think uh, Casey Neistat, a bigger YouTuber, did a lot of articles on that where people got completely deleted. And he actually, they never, YouTube like never lets anybody interview every, anybody from YouTube. They're very secretive yeah. about it. But he actually got an interview with someone fairly high up and he's like why does this she couldn't really answer him straight which i thought was terrifying also yeah it's a lot of channels to monitor isn't it yeah it's quite a, a big business to have no one answering and no one helping anybody uh yeah what's your favorite pry bar that shouldn't be a pry bar 
a screwdriver. Yeah, I would say most snap-on screwdriver with do not do not use as pry bar written on it. It's like a red rag to a bull for me. <laughs> I love misusing tools. Yes, and disrespecting them. <laughs> I think that's what people like. What I, I used to be barefoot building like eight eight Ford rears with an impact gun, and I would shove like dead bugs into the ring gear and slam it all <laughs> shut. And, yeah. and people are like, "Why yeah. are you doing that?" I'm like, like "It triggers that, everybody." That ring gear is not going to fail because it gets a bit of dust on it. It's like the hardest thing in the world. No. I've never hurt one of those rear ends. That's why I think it's... And that, mm. that rear that I built with my bare feet with an impact gun, uh, I said, like, how to build an 8.8, and I think I did it in, like, 10 minutes flat, and I was explaining stuff the whole time. That was the rear that went into... It was a completely stock Explorer solid rear axle that had one tube cut down, and then uh, that went into my Colorado that I beat the hell out of for, like, three years and then sold... And it's gone through a bunch of people now, but it still has the same rear in it. Still the same one. Hmm. That's the um, best thing to come out of an Explorer, then. That's the only good thing to come out of an We Explorer. did have them here. Jeep. You spent 85 <laughs> bucks. You spent 85 bucks on that rear, and it comes with disc brakes and everything. And then yeah. it's an 8.8, and all we have is 8.8s and everything. A gear set costs you $20. Uh, what car would you like to see crushed at a junkyard whenever you see it on the road? Ford Taurus. You guys, is that, uh, is that like the old Taurus? Is like the nineteen late nineties ones with the weird that look like AU Falcons. Horrible things. Is it different for you guys? I want to look at one. We only had them for a few years, so... 98? Yeah. It's oh, it's the this. same as ours, the Jelly Bean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I call them Jelly Beans. The styling defies logic. Hoy, that's rough. Yeah, your your front end is actually uglier than ours was. That's saying something. Someone tried <laughs> to make... Feet, it. <laughs> it looks like someone took a Fiat and stretched it eight inches. Yeah. Like, just pulled the front end eight feet out. Anyway, yeah, that's awful. Uh, what's your favorite sleeper slash troll project that you've worked on or seen? Sleeper's kind of an overused word. I hate it, too. The, bed, the Bedford's meant to be a sleeper, but you can't be a sleeper when you've got 275 radials on the back. No. <laughs> so you're not hiding anything. But um, those Volvos that we... The two Volvos that we did... Uh, the one you said is our sloppy V8. That's the $500 engine that you just smash a 66 mil turbo on and send. So, um, yeah, we, we, we were using them. Japanese engines more so than, so you guys would go and get a 4.8 or 5.3 or whatever for 200 bucks. We, we would get Japanese V8s that no one knew anything about and knew what to do with and just buy them for a couple hundred bucks and then just see what happens. Nissan V8s and Toyota V8s, I did a lot of just for mates and just threw Chinese T66s on <laughs> Make 450 horsepower and it was pretty cool. All the best. Smash it off the limiter. Wave to the full boost guys while you do it. <laughs> yeah, they didn't break like Barras do. Has Alan ever messed with Ford mod motors? Or I guess you could, I would say Coyote after that too. 
No. We we are thinking about doing something for Woody's car. Um, we, had, we bought a couple of 5.4 quad cams, which is, I think, you guys might have had in some sort of SUV. Trucks but that's and what SUVs. That was in our... It's a... Two valve and a three valve was especially bad, but two valve mod motor is pretty popular here, and a four six and a five four. Yes, we got one of those to um, put in the Woody's Falcon or Fairlane, I think it is sixty one that we bought off Pete at Hughes. Um, So we're going to do something. We may get a Coyote yet. I'm not sure. We're sort of. Either way, we're going to have to chop the car up pretty hard to to get it to fit in there because it's got strut towers and things like that. Those older Old Fords, yeah, those, yeah, they're horrible. They have no front end room at all. People so, think BMWs are bad. You check out one of those. Yeah, lanes. they're the widest car in the world, but there's a whole half a meter that that, that you can't use because it's got a strut tower in the I like those kits they sell. Uh, where That's, you cut the whole front end out, and it's a two. Yeah. It's a box thing that you weld in, and it has yeah. the short, like eight inch max coil over, a double A arm, everything. I think they call them a Mustang two front end or something, but it's all it's all custom made. Yeah, it's all after double A arm. Yeah, that's what we're going to use on the on the Fairlane, so we can fit whatever in there. Then yeah, that stuff. And then uh, that stuff's awesome. Those kits. I would never do one of those cars without cutting that whole front end out and putting in that good front end. You guys don't do anything with Coyotes or anything, do you? I don't. They're expensive here. They're super expensive. Yeah. It'd probably be like you guys trying to get a 4.8. Like, you could yeah, do well, it. Well, Coyotes are super expensive here as well. They're only in Falcons for a few years, so... Yeah, they're just... Uh, I think the engine is incredible, and I think one day, like, if I can get... Because people aren't people are like, oh, just get the truck motor, like the truck coyotes. Because we have them in trucks and everything. They're still like they're like three grand, and you don't have all the parts. And then getting a a standalone or something to run them is more expensive because of the parts yeah. on them, and it just snowballs. And then you you uh, if you want to do like you have to adapt the tranny to them and get a converter that does it, and you know it's just uh it's one of those things where it just it's nonstop. Yeah, it certainly doesn't make much sense compared to a GM yeah, engine. Yeah, or even if you bought a four six and you did pistons and rods, you way better off, way cheaper. You might not make the power, but man, you're not spending a million dollars on the thing. So I don't know if you guys know, but we they actually had a factory supercharged Coyote in Australia that we re, the Ford engineers here redesigned the hmm. Coyote and added factory supercharger had forged pistons and rods and everything and they they would make they could easily add huge amounts of power because they're so under under tuned mm-hmm. when they first came out the tuner guys are just like give it a retune and then just keep adding power and power and power <laughs> they're like when's this going to finish then you pop the lid up and they didn't put the intercooler in it they yeah. made it so an intercooler would fit in it like a brick yeah, but then just didn't use it because that's Australian Ford engineer things to do. Forget to put the intercooler in, so then they you could just buy the intercooler, stick it in there, and then keep going. They were a pretty, pretty amazing engine, but rare as and 
yeah, twenty thousand dollar Australian engine. <laughs> yeah, what's the point? <laughs> you can do a lot with the LS for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can buy like a a Texas Speed four hundred eight short block and and a two eighty millimeters and yeah, and then uh, oh the uh, we had factory supercharged mod motors uh, like the Cobra and the Lightning. They yeah. had they had built bottom ends also that were very capable, but the blower was the size of a peanut. Yeah, so that was the biggest issue for those. And then the five four two valve that was in Lightning pickup trucks was uh, not forged, and you could like bend a rod and nick a piston extremely easily. Also, and then they had that Bosch water pump, and then everybody would uh, their water pump would break for whatever reason, and then people would have three hundred degree inlet temp. And then someone put a race tune up in it that didn't pull any timing, and that would scatter them too. Like a, a water a, a intercooler pump, intercooler water pump. Here yeah. you can buy a Coyote Mustang, and you can get a factory installed Roush supercharger that only drops your it drops a little bit of mileage and years off your warranty, but it's warrantied. Yeah. Roush supercharged Coyote cars, and with like a mild tune up, they can make seven ish. It's retarded. Yeah, that sounds like the experience with the what they called the Miami engine here. It was like, there's a lot in it. So good engines, but they don't fit in anything. Yeah, I always, <laughs> it, whenever I it's put it on the dyno, I'm like, look at this big block. Like, I'm such a jerk about it. I didn't know they I've got before. a big block and we've got that, that yeah. um, 5.4 and it's like, it's way bigger than a big block. <laughs> it's only half the size, half the capacity, twice the physical size. Yeah, it's silly. a lot of the owners laugh immediately because they know what I'm talking about. And some of them are like, that's not a big block. I'm like, look at how big it is. <laughs> it's a big block. Look at it's it. Big the heads are the size of uh, an entire Honda engine. Holy shit. Yeah. Especially a four valve. Holy shit. Gigantic. Yeah. I'm like, your exhaust headers are in the A-arm. They're like up against the shock. That's how far down and out they yeah. are. Ridiculous. That's why I like seeing when people do that and they put, like, the LS in them. And you can, like, stand in the engine bay with it. <laughs> That's what I have now is I have a new Edge. that It had the V6 in it, but the V8 one, the entire engine bay is jam-packed shut. And then now you can, like, stand in there and it has full accessories and it's going to have twins and everything. What's a new Edge? A what? It's a 99-04 Mustang. It looks like our Mustang Cobra. Oh, Okay. So we had what's called the uh, SN95 Mustang. Yeah, which is where that's changed, after Fox, isn't right it? Right after a Fox. And then yeah. a new Edge is essentially still an SN95 with a different body panels. And a little bit nicer interior, but other than that. V6 Mustang, that sounds incredibly underwhelming. Oh, yeah, we did a video, <laughs> my wife and I. She bought it for me because we knew we were going to swap it, so she bought me a clean gray one. And uh, we did a video. So she had a 91 Jetta with a 8-valve 1.8 in it. And then I had the Mustang, the O2, with a 3.8-liter V6. And I said to her, obviously you can't do... We were having a dyno race before we swapped the cars. So hers hers made 70... I said, whoever makes the most power to wait, because it's not fair. The Mustang's probably going to make more, but it's going to be dismal anyway. Mm. But uh, I said, we'll do a power to wait... uh, or power to horsepower per liter. I'm sorry. So hers made 75 horsepower and 75 foot pounds, and the Mustang made like 138. 
So she won the horsepower per liter with like a 91 Jetta versus a 02 V6 Mustang. But someone chose to buy that new though. That's the crazy thing. <laughs> there, dude, over here, like that's a college girl's car, like convertible V6 yeah. Mustang. And they made the ride height like a Jeep so people could drive over curbs because that's real. <laughs> it's all true. Perfect. I could send you a picture of it stock and it, it literally is like six inches off the ground to the rocker and it's huge. Uh, where is... Is the patrol a daily driver? Um, yeah, sort of. I don't... At the moment, I'm not driving it much because I'm driving... My son just got his learner's permit, so he wants to drive everywhere in his car that we built on the show, so the patrol's not doing much at the moment, just sitting there. But yeah, you can daily drive it. It's noisy as hell and everyone looks, stares at you like you're like you're, uh, you've done something wrong because it's so loud. <laughs> yeah, no, it drives all right. It's good. We've thrashed it. I've sort of half erected it, driving it in the in the um, forestry or the woods or whatever you would call it, scraping the shit out of it on everything and nearly rolling it off cliffs. And sometimes I've got to remind myself how much it cost. <laughs> but yeah, so it works good. Uh, if you could get one car, what would it be? I, I guess that means something that Australia doesn't have. I don't know. It's a, there's a pretty big, broad range there. Yeah, I, I mean, I hate when people say one. They're like, what's the one thing you would build? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I want to build 75 cars this year. That's pretty much me as well. And forever. Yeah. So a, I would say, like, name five or ten off the top of your head that you'd love to get that you aren't in your country or it's too difficult or whatever. Probably be American because we don't, I've never had an American car. So well, that's I've what been, I mean. Like you could just name five American. Got my eye on, on one over in um, a friend of mine's has in um, Virginia. That's a, like an 82 Suburban. Mm. With, I think it's factory D- Detroit 6.2. So, which is pretty, I'd say that would be fairly rare as well. But it still works, which is unusual for a Detroit 6.2. <laughs> I don't think many of your cars are big, right? I don't know. Nah, some of them are nah, pretty big. Our biggest car is like your compact. That's what I mean. Even in Europe, yeah. it's the same way. Because even there, they call them uh, lorries. Their, their, tra- their trucks to like move things are tiny. Yeah. It's like the size of a Suburban. Like, they're full-on truck. I mean, it makes sense because their roads and everything are smaller. But, yeah, uh, a tractor-trailer here is just massive. Yeah. And it's not like your... You guys have those land trains? I mean, that's in the middle of nowhere. We have (laughs) tractor-trailers half that size, like, down the road all day long. Those things are frightening, those four-trailer-long things. And they... Yeah, in the middle of nowhere in the desert, and they're bringing, like, mining stuff back. Whatever it is that they're mining, all that they, mining, they mining, they don't stop. Hey, eh? they just they, they'll overtake you in a in a car and caravan. You're driving along doing like ninety, and they overtake you. And and the things, it's never ending. It's like how do they know that no one's coming because this is going to take like ten minutes for you to get past. They're all it's hopped up on pills, flooring yeah. that shit through the desert. They don't care. <laughs> yeah. I assume they've got pretty good communication up ahead that they can just commit to overtaking someone when they. When they're like 
100 meters long or whatever they are. They totally it's like pretty, a lot of those are like Mad Max. The whole front end is like spikes and chains and shit. <laughs> and then they have like, uh, you know, 4,500 lights and stuff everywhere. They must have a decent engine in them, I can tell you that. They have to, because, yeah, I've seen like <laughs> four or six so, trailer long ones. I'm like, and yeah. you know, they have them like probably illegally. Lo- they're putting as much as they can in the damn thing. Oh, oh um, my. You got you guys have Teslas there. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen uh Marty and Moog and stuff talk about them. Oh, and I've heard like Luke and uh his brother talking about Teslas and there's nowhere to charge them and you know whatever else. Is. <laughs> yeah, they had the fullcharge.com um domain name for when everything turns electric instead of full <laughs> boost. <laughs> They're so funny. They're smart. Uh, I don't I don't I don't I think the idea of an electric car is great, but I think there's actually a long way to go before it's. It is, it is actually the way that people are going to go. Yeah. If Toyota, if Toyota isn't committing to it properly, then you you know that it's not. They'd be it, all it over it if it was. The infrastructure is not not there for it. Whether whether it be just that, but yeah, they're still running with sort of a hybrid sort of um, engine over electric. Or vice versa, set up. Oh, Savage Fab, he's a big diesel guy. He says yeah, most that's of his those... turbo I blew up. Oh yeah, a Savage Fab turbo. <laughs> yeah. He, he says he he thanked me for not saying that it was the turbo spot. Oh well, <laughs> it's like it was. It kind of fallen off by itself, so it must have been my fault. Yeah, I fixed it the second time. He it says put a big most. Bolt this is interesting. He says most of those uh, road trains have a KTA eleven hundred cubic inch Cummins. Wow, eleven hundred cubic inch. Hang on, I'm gonna have to get the calculator out. We'll Siri it. That's a lot. KTA eleven hundred is a hot motor over here for super semi class, huh? Oh, this is a good one. How did you end up working with Marty and Moog? Probably through the Subaru Swap Shop. Yeah, so it was from a a forum. Remember back in the old days, there was forums and you could share knowledge and I miss stuff. Them. Yeah, so we had a it was a one mate, well, very specific um, RS Liberty, which is like a I don't know, like a nineteen ninety one. No, nah, it's like a, a legacy. A, oh yeah, 1991-ish legacy. But they came in Australia with a as a factory turbo, which is pretty rare at the time. So there was we had, we had a club for that, and Martin was on it because he had one, and Benny was on it because he was a Subaru mechanic as well. So that's how we all know each other, and that was back in way before YouTube started. Yeah. So and eventually they they wanted to turbo that Miata. <laughs> um, way back, and that—that's where they come up with the, the turbo Yoda thing and that sort of stuff. So, and then I just kept working with them, and they're cool. They're cool dudes. Super um, deserved success on their part. Yeah, it seemed genuine. Incredibly talented at multi-talented at, at all sorts of stuff that you probably wouldn't even realize and. And you've got to be pretty driven to keep a YouTube channel going that long because oh, yeah. it's 
yeah, considered to be well out of date, but it's obviously not. So they're doing well. I like Plus, you've got to put up with getting old too, you know. Like everyone, it's over 10 years or something, you're going to see a lot of physical changes. Yeah. I mean, I've been someone. doing it for 16. So if you watch my first videos, I'm like a teenager uh, spraying <laughs> rental cars with nitrous. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I have no idea what the hell I'm doing if you watch above. I mean, those, I'm never taking them down. I can't wait till I'm like 60 and just that stuff still exists if you go back and watch them. Uh, oh, you already answered. Is there something from the U.S. market that you guys wish you could get a hold of? You already said you just like big body American stuff. We can get a lot of stuff. There's a huge industry over here converting um, F trucks and Silverados and stuff over to uh, in Rams to uh, right hand drive. Massive industry. They bring in like twenty at a time. Like brand new trucks and then convert them. They end up costing two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. It's, Australia's it's, not particularly broke. We, yeah. I think we're we're doing pretty well. Everyone seems to have plenty of money and willing to spend it, so it's a good thing. Oh, someone asked, "Do I still do IT work, or do I have enough tuning business that you do that now?" I still, yeah, I still have an IT job. I've worked there for sixteen years. And uh, I would, I get such good benefits and everything else. I would never quit that. And uh, I do, I do much less tuning than I used to. And I would never quit by working an IT job for a hospital to tune cars. That would be the worst decision ever. Smart, People tell me smart. to do it. <laughs> People are like, Qu- quit your day job and do YouTube or tuning. And I'm like, I, I want to be able to completely quit tuning and YouTube any day I want to. <laughs> Or not upload a video for sixty-eight days. I don't. I don't yeah, know. that that sounds like an awesome freedom to have because it is. Yeah, when it's your job, you have to. So yep. it's it is work. I haven't been not putting good. a lot. I'm not complaining. It's a pretty sweet job, but yeah, it, it's still a job. Uh, oh, this is a good one. What do you think the U.S. car scene does better than the Aussie car scene? Discounting your restrictions and motor swap sizes and everything else, that the uh, vice versa. So, like, what do you think that you guys do better than us, and what do you think we do better than you? Is what I assume all that means. Or what um, cultural things would you like to see swapped or whatever? I think my experience with the U.S. drag racing culture with drag week and stuff was it, it was the people are pretty amazing, like. Um, very respectful and um, you know they help each other out and all that sort of thing and 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 everyone's really keen. Whereas with we our drag racing scene's not to me it's not great, but not that I'm I'm not big into it. But um, there's a lot of politics with we have Andrew versus IHRA squabbles all the time because. Hmm. Different tracks are using different, um, like licensing and changing back and forward, and it's just a, it's a bit of a, a bit of a shit show. And there's also no tracks here, so you, you you're a thousand k's between drag strips, so so it's pretty hard for the that sort of scene to go to get better when there's no facilities. 
Whereas, yeah, there was just facilities everywhere in the States, well, it appeared to be. But you got oh, around yeah. a million people and we've got 30, so it's all about scales, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what do we do better? I don't know. We're probably we're fairly innovative because we're, you know, stuck on a, an island in the middle of nowhere, so we innovate for our own things like you know, barras and stuff like that. Everything's there for it. Um, but the more we can buy stuff from America, the probably more we will. But it's um, it's getting difficult at the moment with just shipping and stuff like that. So we do tend to try and keep things in-house a bit at the moment just because it's you know you're going to get it. They weren't very good answers, but I don't know. No, that makes sense, though, uh, because, yeah, a uh, car, like a drag strip here, there's a lot of camaraderie. Like, you can, uh, you could empty your whole car, strip out your whole car, put all your tools on the ground, put down $5,000 in Milwaukee stuff, take off three-piece wheels, and go race, and come back, and no one's going to touch anything. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys can do that, but then, yeah, if you break something, people will help you. Uh, they'll try to give you parts, tools. They'll hold the damn flashlight for you. Yeah. So if that doesn't exist there, that's pretty awful. Yeah. It's a little bit different to that, that's for sure. <laughs> We're trying to get into the more of the American sort of event style, like Drag Week. We've got a couple of them that they're starting to do. I've seen Benny participating in the cool. one with the Cresta. Yeah. Yeah. We're just... They've just sort of started doing it, and then then everything's held up with COVID and that sort of thing. So they haven't really taken off hard yet, but uh, it can be a, a pretty cool event to when you, when you're sort of in that scene where everyone's just trying to get there. So it's not as it's not as competitive. So it's a bit more like you're competing against yourself, just trying to finish the finish the week or whatever it is. Hmm. So it, it tends to yeah, breed a better culture than when you're squabbling over winning a plastic trophy for with your hundred thousand dollar drag car. <laughs> uh, this says I missed uh, I missed seeing you guys at Drag Week this year. I know it's far from over, but any plans on coming back for another one? Yeah, hundred percent. That'll be a thing. We'll probably probably bring them the black. Fox body back as well. I know that the owner of that would be keen, but it all comes down to when when it, when we can, really. So, pretty expensive trip. <laughs> Give me the tip. That's a lot of money in bringing a car from Australia and yeah, and I can doing, only imagine doing rag week. So it's probably like, was always like you what you came from Australia. What they were just like gobsmacked. <laughs> I want to guess it's like twenty grand to ship a car or something. I think it's. I think it might have been about thirteen return oh. Australian. So I don't know what that is. It's still a lot. <laughs> so plus all the all the expense when you when you get over when you especially when you got an eight second car like they're you know known to break things. So yeah, no kidding. Got to take lots of spares and the adventure that we had on the on the side of the. Uh, freeway with the blown engine and the spun rod bearing and all that that was that was cool 
I mean, it was it was shit to blow up a brand new engine, but the treatment we got from the guys up in North Carolina from um, Pete Harrell and at HED and those guys was awesome. Basically, just let us use their entire machine shop and fixed like pulled two engines apart and made one out of two, and then did drag week with that engine and and it. I think we I think we got down to about eight twenty with after drag week with that engine. So oh. and it had like had bits of valve stuck in one of the pistons and stuff. So perfect. That's what makes <laughs> it faster. I always say. Yeah. That's the lucky piston. I think they called it. Someone was just telling me. Uh, he torched a cylinder head in Drag Week. He has a, it's like a, a Lexus IS three hundred or similar than that. And it goes like a low eight or high seven or something. And uh, they torched a cylinder head, and they went to like it was like three in the morning by the time they got a hold of somebody. And he said the guy like rolled out of bed, welded the he- the head shut, milled it flat, like half asleep, and gave it back to him. And they put that on and went to, to finish Drag Week also. That's awesome. Yeah, the hard luck stories are some of the best. Like when nothing happens, it's kind of like the first year we went, it was just, but nothing happened. It was just like, this This is too easy. <laughs> oh, we did set fire to some stuff and had to make homemade. I uh, saw that, the heat shields. Heat shields and stuff like that. But yeah, that was, that was all part of the adventure. It was pretty cool. Yeah, you think your car is fine until you drive it for like four hours straight. Yeah. At 3,800 RPM, 70 mile an hour with a trailer on the back. And it's like, oh, that's probably a good reason for this brake master cylinder to be dripping on the ground. Oh, what is this? One more. What is something Matt thinks is really cool about the Aussie car scene? And why does Alan think it's not cool if Matt thinks it is? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, I just like the different motors. I'm sure that's why you guys like our stuff. It's stuff you never get to see. Or like, I love yeah. that RB30 and stuff. I could give a shit about the Barra. Like, I think it's cool. But like you said, I've heard the same. You have to toss a whole bunch of money into it, or spend the an astronomical amount for the actually good motor, which is not much better than building a cheap one. So none of them work out. Yeah, we've we've done both. We've built a $200 motor that cost 10 grand. Yeah, and or you pay six grand for a factory turbo engine, which it's not. Neither of them is cheap. Yeah, choose in reality, it is a good engine. Though. Yeah, I think those RB thirties are disgusting. How are the? How well do they hold up to power stock? Yeah, they got big old chunky rods and pistons in them, and the, the factory turbo engine's got seven point eight to one compression. Wow, yes, you can smash on, that thing. Running on Caro at 30 PSI. <laughs> they didn't have any intercoolers or anything on them. It was so primitive. That's yeah. awesome. And, and the fact the NA engine is, is only like 9.2 or something, so you can still pump ridiculous amounts of boost into yeah. them. My wife just came on the chat, and she says, I'm just here for Aussie accents. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get Liam Hemsworth. He lives next door. Jokes. What does this say? What? Oh, it's the same kind of like what car would you get question. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll tell you what, Carl. I've got enough cars already. Hey, it's ridiculous. Well, you, I'm sure I probably couldn't hold a candle to your collection, but it's... We have 
I just sold one, so we have 12 now. Yeah. I don't think I've got that many, but I'm fairly heavily invested as yep. far as projects go that, that haven't been built yet. I know people uh, a lot are like, well, I have, I have 20 cars. I said, well, how many are registered, insured, running, have no flat tires, you know, that stuff. That's when the conversation changes because the only one that doesn't run and drive is my Mustang because I'm building it. And then she bought a 83 Volkswagen Rabbit pickup truck, those real tiny Volkswagen pickups. And we just gutted it because it had a diesel in it and it leaked all over the place. And we got a Honda Element, which is another car, but we don't really count. But we bought a all-wheel drive Honda Element with the K24 in it. We're going to put that in the truck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so those are the only two that don't run. Uh, Diesel... Golf pickup. That sounds like a bloody rare car in America to me. It is not that common, yeah. It's a Mark One uh they call it a cabbie here. Caddy they called him Caddy, yeah. No, that was a I always get them wrong. The cabbie is the cabriolet, they call it a bitch basket. Because it has that handle. Yeah, that's what they call it here. I just hate when people say caddy, I think of a Cadillac. All the Volkswagen yes. people are like, oh, a caddy. And I'm like, uh, it's a shitty pickup truck. It's not a... I wonder why they called them rabbits instead of golfs. I don't know. That's the whole thing, right? Like the Liberty... I thought you'd be the... putting a VR6 engine in it. Oh, she has a 1991 Mark II that we swapped with a VR. Yeah. That was part of the, the Mustang versus Jetta contest. So I'm hoping to win uh, the horsepower per liter war... After that, with, uh, you know, what I have going together here, which is going to be a joke, but. I like those VR6 engines. That's a, a cool design. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. And then she has a 04 Volkswagen R32, which has a 3.2 liter 24 valve VR6, and it's all-wheel drive, etc. Mm, we did have those here as well. So she has one of those, too. I'm kind of scared of modern Volkswagens, though. Yes, newer, definitely too many electronics. I would, I would own one for about thirty thousand, and then jump out yeah. like an airplane. Yeah, it's all right if you if it's under warranty, and you can just go back and get a new one when when you off. inevitably yeah. stuff starts falling off it. I have a, a two thousand nineteen Ford F one fifty three five EcoBoost, and that has it's like a limousine with all the garbage in it, and I'm like, man, I don't want to own this past thirty thousand. I actually leased it because I never want to keep it. I've never leased a car before, but I leased that truck because I'm like, some part of the dash won't work when the yeah when the, when the right not, after not warranty, known. and then it's going to cost me twenty four hundred dollars to have the part of the touchscreen replaced. I'm going to cry. Yeah, uh, I'm not big on new cars myself. Yeah, they're really complex. 2001's new enough for me. <laughs> I think anybody that's like a mechanic that fixes and works on stuff uh, actively You're chooses shocked. to have yeah. stuff that... Because like, uh, my dailies are... I have two Kia Souls. One's a 13 and one's a 17. And the fact that they never break or need parts is huge. And then the other one is that they're so damn simple to work on. Yeah. You don't mind spending $100 every three years in maintenance, so... I don't think we have those here. It's a box. It's a small. I know what. Oh, you know what they are, yeah. Yeah. 
I have a trailer hitch on mine. I call it my big rig. I tow a trailer with it and I fill it with like <laughs> engines and transmissions. And the guys at the scrapyard and the landscaping places know me because I say, uh, I need a Kia full of mulch. And she laughs. laughs. And then she comes over with a scoop and just slams it in my trailer. I got a ton of stone the other day, 2,000 pounds of stone in the little trailer the other day and she was like are you sure you want wheel spinning she's like do you want a half scoop i said nope give me all of it she was like all right uh oh have you ever had new york city pizza and can you give us a comprehensive review i probably have well that wouldn't have been in new york state um but yeah that's not what pizza is like in australia and ours is better <laughs> ours has stuff on it lots i don't like new york pizza is disgusting in my opinion it's like a wet piece of paper and people from new york it's probably... just like thin and flat and has like a... it's garbage it's all oil there's nothing there and then they they try to make up for it by giving you a slice that's like this yeah it's still a wet piece of paper it's, it still sucks real bad just like when people because i live 45 minutes north of philadelphia People are like, oh, a Philly cheesesteak. I'm like, you know what a, cheese, a Philly cheesesteak is? It's disgusting. It's awful. It's like... Uh, it's like horse hooves and eyelids and stuff. No, it's just like... It's, it's like three of the really thin uh, chip beef. Like a, like shaved. It's almost like a gyro, but with yeah, yeah, 85% yeah. less meat. And like <laughs> almost a wet bun with cheese whiz spray canned aerosol cheese. That's a, full, full, full disclosure, I ate heaps of them when we were in. That's a in Philly cheese. Drag week in nineteen because we're up in. I think we're in Pennsylvania. Oh, that's where I am. We, we drove up into the into the state, but it might have been at New Jersey. The dragway just shut. But yeah, I was just. Oh, you like, probably had oh, good cheese breakfast. Then. I'm munging on this. <laughs> that was great because. Uh... New Jersey Italians with their pizza shops, they'll they'll build you a cheesesteak that's thirty two pounds for six dollars, <laughs> and that actually has meat and real cheese in it. But yeah, the Philly cheesesteak is like it looks like a lunchable compared to a full on diner meal. Anyway, I digress. Oh, this is good. Would you rather build a bottom end or build a, a wiring harness from scratch? Um, well, I do a lot of wiring, so probably wiring. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an engine builder or anything. We just, I have friends. I don't know how to do something, or I know that I don't know how to do it properly to actually tell other people how to do it. I just bring in the experts and watch them measure things and make decisions. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's easy enough to throw a bottom end together if you don't have to measure it. Yeah, I like to, I don't measure anything. I just, one time, uh, someone was making a big deal about all the torque specs in an LS, and I said, uh, I put a motor together where I made everything 65 foot-pounds, and it made 850 rear wheel, so. They're like, what? <laughs> Is there an Aussie equivalent to a cannonball run, and have you done it? We had a cannonball run in Australia. Nice. No, I haven't done it. It was, um... Us heaps of like hyper rich people with Ferraris and shit like that, and there was a there was a there was a rather nasty incident, and lots of people got killed, and they didn't do it after that. 
There goes the the good old ja- attention in your. Yeah, a Japanese dentist with a F forty or something, like plowed through the middle of a big checkpoint crowd. Mm. So that was the end of that. Where is? What's your favorite motorsport? Um, drag drag racing, but also I, do, I also like circuit racing. Um, but more of the the nerdiness of you know data, like seeing what happens and seeing what small change will fix that or make it worse or whatever. It's incredible how many things when uh when I start explaining it too, how many things can happen in like a six second eighth mile. How much of the things are going on? Yeah, once you start explaining it to people, they're like, "I thought you just floored it." And I'm like, "What's well, not your? <laughs> it's not your Camry out of a stoplight." It's Trust got me. 300 horsepower. You just floor it and fall asleep. But if it's got 800 horsepower, you you're not doing that. Yeah, and then uh, someone asks every time uh, he asks this wobbly sauce, "What's your favorite pizza and ice cream flavors?" Pizza, I like seafood pizza, but our, our pizza is probably quite different to you. said, yeah. They, they just put all manner of rando things on, on pizzas here, and they end up like this thick with cop toppings. And But, yeah, I'm a seafood fiend, so I, it's just called seafood pizza. It's covered in mussels and prawns and stuff like that. Oh, that is ice odd. cream. I don't really eat ice cream. I'm not really a sweet dude, hmm. but... I would never touch seafood pizza. Thanks for explaining that to me. It's awesome. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Uh, what do you enjoy outside of cars? I know you dirt bike a lot. Dirt bike riding, yeah. I don't do it as much as I want to. It's pissing me off. But yeah, just love getting out into the... I go camping as well. I've got a camper. What we call them camper trailers here. There's like a camping module with a bed in it and put the bike on the front and go out to this like the state forests and camp in the campgrounds and go motorbike riding hang out with the mates where the phone doesn't work it's great yeah that's we call them campers i call it a camper and then we have we call them pop-ups when they're flat and you pop it up and then yeah, the other ones are just full size all the time uh what is this <laughs> Don't treat the camera like it's a camera. Just think of it as a remote person. What's that about? Is that a saying or someone said? Or I don't know if they... Maybe I copied that from... I don't know. Ignore that. <laughs> what engine would you like to see pushed to the next level of uh, home performance horsepower? Um... This is getting harder and harder because most engines, the engines that they're building nowadays are pretty amazing, but most of them are direct injection and very, very difficult to play around with. It's, I'd be all over all those latest Japanese engines if we could, if I could do something with them. But budget-wise, I might have missed the boat. I reckon <laughs> all the good, all the good cheap, strong engines are from. 20 years ago now so I'm still fiddling around I just bought a car with a 1JZ engine so we're going to fiddle around with that 
and uh, just in the a daily driver that I'm going to wreck by modifying. Understood. I love wrecking things. That's what people every now and then ask my wife because they see I mostly do car stuff and look homeless. <laughs> they say, uh, you know, well, your husband's a mechanic. Goes with the other, doesn't it? What's that? Every, everyone that gets into car stuff looks homeless. <laughs> of course, they spend their money and time on everything else other than grooming and clothing yeah. and washing. But uh, the uh, oh man, where is like I totally squirreled out there. What was I saying? Anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> I've totally lost the base where I started. But uh, oh, they, they say, aren't you? A, uh, isn't your husband a mechanic? And, uh, you know, I'm always like, no, I just ruin things. I don't fix anything. I flat out. Because they want you to do, like, brakes or ask you why their minivan leaks coolant or something. And I'm like, don't ask me. I'm busy poking rods through the thing. It's leaking yeah. everything it's got. So you don't want me to touch it. Does anyone G8 badge their Holdens down there? I'm asking that one right away out of the live chat. Uh, yeah, they did. At one stage, it was a thing. They used to put the G8 fronts on some of them as well. They do well. it up here. It's ridiculous. Um, or I like when the full boost guys say Chev badge on a Holden. Chev badge. Yeah, the Chev badge is a... Yeah, that's a, that's a no-no. That's a thing down there. Because it's not a Chev engine. It's a GM engine. Oh, uh, what is all this? Oh, has the rise to fame or infamy caused much unwanted trouble at home with fans? Or is there any stories about stuff like that? I love the Hacko build. Hacko? Hacko? I don't know how to say it. Hacko. Hacko. I hope you're not uh, copying too much flack from the impurities. <laughs> I love that. I want to get one of those purity shirts. Well, sometimes you get what you ask for. We were trolling hard for people people to get the shits with us cutting this thing up and and we got what we asked for because it, it actually brought it you can tell these people have never watched the show before because of the way they phrase their comments like anyone that watches our show would know that we don't give a shit and we're always going to do it yeah but they they take it as as oh, do you really want to know my opinion which is no but you can tell that they're like i'd never do that it got posted my, uh, on probably the link, and then everybody jumped in and let you know their feels. <laughs> it doesn't matter what anyone thinks. It only matters what the guy that owns the car thinks. Yep. What was the first part of the question? I think I missed that. Oh, people stalking me? Yeah, um, like, uh, yeah. like what happens to Cletus is people show up, and then they, like, steal things or weird stuff. Like they, Not uh, lately, because... The people that would come were from like Scotland and the UK and just like overseas travelers, and hmm. the, uh, there's nothing because they probably think that it's a workshop where you can just walk up to the front door and there's a, someone in the office and you say hi. Can I talk to Al? But that's not that's not the case. It's just my house, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. there's not, there's nothing wrong with it. I just. You can't be, you can't get shitty at people for wanting to say hello to you when you, when your job is to stand in front of people and talk about yourself. So mm-hmm. I, I always give people plenty of time if they, if they want to say hello and that sort of thing. Just as long as they're not staring in my bedroom window at seven a.m. on a uh, Sunday, it's, it's all good. Sending you pictures of your 
of your inside your house. <laughs> What's the fastest you've allegedly been in a vehicle? I don't know. Never look at the speed. And then what's the most powerful vehicle or thing you've ever driven? Maybe not like horsepower wise, but capable also. Obviously you can have like a four thousand horsepower burnout car, but it doesn't accelerate fast. Probably Benny's Cresta would be the the fast or the Fox body. Not that I haven't driven them on the strip or anything, but I've been in the Cresta plenty of times when Benny's been doing Stuff that you can only do in America <laughs> <laughs> with a U-Haul trailer on the back. A U-Haul. It's amazing how good a burnout they'll do when you've got like a completely full U-Haul trailer on the back of them. Yeah, they can't slide out. It holds them straight. <laughs> yeah, we we took we took advantage of all the freedoms on offer the the first year in particular when we went over there. Benny was being a bit of a pest at times with <laughs> just doing. Massive burnouts all over the place. Just throwing high gear everywhere. Yeah. Oh, the uh, please do a rotary project one day. The RX3 you build before the channel was excellent. I'm sure a few locals have plenty in their sheds that aren't running. Those things are worth so much money. Like that RX3 is probably worth 100 grand. Like it, it's, it's, it's not a thing. Even a even a rotary engine's worth of crazy money, and most of them you buy them they're in pieces because because they're always broken. But yeah, I'd love to do a rotary, but they just sort of it's kind of like missed the boat, same as everything. They used to be cheap, really cheap, but I, not now. I have a friend down there that's uh, near Sydney, uh, New South Wales area. And he uh, he owns a business called Mister Enforcer. His name's Matt Lyle. You ever hear of him? Yeah. He yeah. has like rotaries on the shelf. He posted a video. Uh, a lot of places won't ship to Australia, so he'll buy stuff and send it to my house, and then I <laughs> and then I put it all in a giant box and then ship it to him. And it's crazy how much it is to ship things to him. But yeah, he has. He just posted a video of him walking down a row of like six different rotaries, and he's like in stock. Like built motors. Already done, yep. He has everything. Uh, I noticed that Australians build some a lot of over-the-top stuff. It seems like people make more money than here. Uh, I think I touched on that earlier. After having been to the States, I can see that it's what what you envisage... You know, everyone's sort of flexing on having a Lambo and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, that's that's a, a 1% thing, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah we, we do pretty well. we got resources boom and all that stuff going on. So anyone that wants a job can get one, and they, they earn crazy money for, not, for pretty unskilled work. So, yeah, we do all right. My friend know, down there. Bad, oh, yeah, my buddy Nathan Alexander that lives down there. Uh, or Steve Alexander, I'm sorry. Nathan Clark is the other guy that I know. He uh, he always says that mining money, that mm. that Gold Coast money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's got a brand new car. Everyone's got it. You just got to hang around and wait until they sell stuff when they don't use it, like motorbikes and jet skis. And Throw it away. Stuff. Yeah. 
it's worse over in, in Western Australia where the pretty much the entire state just operates off off digging stuff out of the ground. So they, um, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff over there that you could buy for not much, but it's bloody long way away from here. So you have to get a, across a desert, drive home across the desert after you bought your cheap Crusader with a 1JZ. Yeah, try to get home through that. You guys would really benefit from that uh, Elon Musk hyper terminal stuff for sure. Because there's literally nothing in the whole center of here. It's like only the coasts. Yeah. Oh, is it is it really as strict there on the streets as we're led to believe? Like a little bit of tire spin, you know, they'll confiscate the car? Yes, potentially wild you can pull out of a burger king here and hit a three gear thing down the road and as long no. as you don't nick anybody the cops aren't going to care no. i mean you've, you've seen it we've now. experienced this yeah uh, takes a bit of getting used to after being here all your life yeah i'm sure feel a bit guilty after some of the, some of the antics that benny and and i did you go Allegedly. in your backyard and shoot clay clay birds up here and then do a burnout in your front yard and park your IROC Camaro in the mud and Yeah. What is we did, we did shoot watermelons that had some sort of explosive in them. Tannerite. Yeah, that's it. That's At a very point, southern thing. It's like what? It's like why have you got a watermelon? <laughs> I carried it down the backyard and pour something in it, and then start shooting at it. And uh Oh, one of them must have been the like it must have been on stoic because it exploded so hard and it was just raining like pineapple. I'm <laughs> not watermelon. It's like yeah, there's a pretty wild west going on there. Wild east. This is interesting. I don't know. What's your favorite species of snail? You do know about snails, don't you? Is that like an inside yeah. joke or? We have snails. You're talking about turbos or Oh it was potato R thirty three. It's just it's just him asking weird questions. I didn't realize it. Why is Aussie Woody so cool and why hasn't he done burnouts in the AW eleven on camera yet? Um the AW eleven doesn't have enough powder to burn it. Oh nice. <laughs> it's a cool car, but it's not fast. Um what was the first part of it? Why is Woody so cool? Yeah. I know. We talked about this. You guys are... Uh, oil. The other question was, why are you so grumpy? And you said, because of Woody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just my resting bitch face. It's just how you keep out of trouble. And then the other one was uh, talking about the, the street. You know, is it really that bad there? The other one is... Uh, are the lockdowns as bad as everybody says they are? Uh, not here. I live in Queensland, and we we've had I don't know, one or two short ones, but Sydney in uh, Sydney are the worst, right? Yeah, well, that's the population mass, so it goes through like wildfire there. So they think they're just sort of looking at coming out of it now, but we never had any issues here. It was fine. Is, 
Where's uh would you ever build a drag car for yourself? I'd like I'd like the idea of it, but I don't know whether I'd ever commit to actually using it. Because you can't drive a drag car in the street. You can't have a cage in a car. Yeah. That's the biggest biggest problem that we have building fast cars here is that you can't legally have a roll cage in the car. So that means you can't use it on the street and then go to the track. So it's it's pretty frustrating in that regard. Yeah, you have to own something you can't use and go to tracks that aren't open and short amount of time. You have to trailer it, yeah. So you basically... You said there's no nothing local. They're so far away. It's about two and a half hours to the local drag strip, which is probably not that bad. But the you know the, the chances of using it regularly, you, you're not going to use it regularly because you can't drive it on the street. So yeah, that's why I don't build usually race oriented stuff because I, I like driving my stuff. And then yeah. the other thing we were laughing about is. I, I dailied uh, a truck with a hood exit for two and a half years, a four-inch yeah. dump out the hood. Uh, that that would make my life so easy, that being able to put a four-inch dump out the hood or my, out the My exhaust was this big. It came off the so, turbo and went out the hood. It was like... like that's, a, that's one of the biggest pains in the ass I have is trying to get big, big dump pipes out of cars with big engines in them and... The, and our, all our cars are small, so they just don't have any engine base space. This guy says he's seen people getting dragged off by police by for being outside in like the strict areas. Yeah, yeah. Stop watching the news. Not that big a deal. Do you guys really hunt house cats as an invasive species? I've seen videos on this. <laughs> Oh, personally, I don't hunt house cats, but if he's talking about feral cats, that's yeah, that's cats that that they're not house cats; they're feral cats. But they're everywhere down there, right? Uh maybe not where you are. A bit of a stretch. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of like a thing. If you watch YouTube videos on that, it's like you know, mice are taking over your town. Like you're being overrun by rats with these cats. What I what I took from it, the video is it's. People, like, don't get enough. They're not allowed to hunt, really, or own weapons. But if they say they're hunting feral cats, they can shoot at shit all day. So they're, yeah. just, they're just trying to be hillbillies, and they're using that. <laughs> they're, they're talking about, they're like, this is a huge problem. So people are like, wow, then you need to shoot them. And they're like, yeah, we need to shoot cats yeah, all sure. day. And they, they're just kind of sociopaths, and they want an excuse to kill <laughs> animals. You know. Sounds more like it to me. That's what I yeah. took from it, because no one else really talks about it. I hope Chris. Everything doesn't try and kill you in Australia either. That's all just. That's just like. I yeah. think it was like a bit of a joke at first, and then then everyone believes that. And it's like, it's, why, why would we live here if everything was trying to kill us all the time? It's just yeah. not a I, thing. Why does everyone walk around in flip flops everywhere yeah. if everything <laughs> kills you in the ground? Yeah. You do. There's plenty of snakes and stuff around, but. Generally speaking, they're like you're. They don't want to bother you. Know, you. Ten times the size of it. It's just trying to get away. Yeah, same up here. I mean, we have like uh, we have mostly harmless snakes where I live, but you can get diamondback rattlesnakes up here. You can run into one of those. They don't want to bother with you. Hmm. Oh, someone just said drop bears are definitely a thing. Here we go. It only <laughs> took Al. That's not bad. It was an hour and thirty minutes. Yeah. That was... I think that would we, you would have lost a bet if we made a bet on drop bears. 
I'm not even sure what a, what a drop bear is actually supposed to be. I think it's like a savage koala. koalas that drop out of the tree yeah. and kill Rabid you or something koalas like that. that tear people apart. Yeah, take their face off like chimpanzees. Koalas are like, they're flat out staying alive, just, just doing nothing all day. Aren't they, they so drunk out of their mind that they can't even like think or move from eating uh, fermented they things? Suffer, they suffer all these like really bad... Um, like illnesses and um, bloody, they get skin funguses and they're, they're flat out staying alive as it is without, they're not thinking about jumping out of a tree and Oh, really? Australia. They have that many? They're not like, healthy enough for that. <laughs> yeah. They're struggling it's not that a, bad. It's not something that's probably going to be around forever. Uh, what was the other one? There was a good one. Crocodiles will kill you though. That, that's, oh, that's yeah. Thing. You guys have some of the biggest. Oh, they're freaking frightening they're huge <laughs> are they everywhere like florida like you if you go to like if you like uh if your car like pops a tire and you're like fucking around near a retention pond you absolutely have to watch out in florida like they'll they'll just be there hanging out and you're like oh hey uh whoops so, yeah but well they'd be alligators wouldn't they yeah that's what i mean yeah, yeah i'm sorry so we have a, a freshwater crocodile is like an alligator there People don't even worry about them. They just wander around yeah. <laughs> in, in caves and creeks and stuff. But a saltwater crocodile is like hyper aggressive yeah. and yeah. huge Two and tons. really, really smart um, hunter. Like they're just a different thing altogether. So, yeah, well, there's none of them. That's north, north and, northern Australia. So Darwin and sort of right up in the Cape, Cape York Oh, so, yeah. this guy yeah. says saltwaters are basically QLD and NT, Northern Territory, and QLD is... Uh, Queensland, that's where I am, yeah. That's what I was going to say, so he says they're near you. Oh, the spiders. Well, we have we have pretty dangerous spiders, too. Don't you... Isn't a funnel web or something is... Yeah, that's actually down in Sydney, the funnel web. They're, they they can be dangerous, yeah. They, but they're usually just... not, right? Well, then they're not out to eat humans. They're, well, yeah, they say, they like... Eat. Black widows are the same, but you can you can find them up here too. But uh, I saw if, you, if you're unlucky, you might get bitten by one. You're not going to die. You're not going to drop dead. Oh, Some yeah, of the they, snakes are a bit like that, like they're highly venomous, but they're not. Again, they're not. They're not chasing after you. You're um. It's usually people chasing after them, trying to kill them. That yeah. <laughs> when they get bitten. Any video I've seen about the funnel webs, people say that they'll like come after you and kill you. So that's funny that you say that. <laughs> Because if you, if you flip up its little hole where it's trying to bring up its babies and starts jamming your finger in there, they yeah, probably, no probably will Just bite like you. Any animal, yeah. Other than saltwater crocodiles and hippos. Yeah. They'll just kill you a, for fun. They'll see you. Don't get into the water with it. Yeah, that's no a, kidding. A, well, they say that a hippo can, can run like 25 miles an hour. Yeah. They would kill you. They would catch you. Oh, the, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, what the hell was it? I was going to say something about the animals or whatever, but, uh, funnel web. I watch that, uh, every now and then I watch videos by that guy, Drain Addict. Do you know who that is? He has a YouTube yeah. channel where he just unclogs drains with like this water jet thing. He's hilarious. He's so funny. <laughs> He's a weird dude. And, uh, 
His name's Ollie. You gotta, you gotta love that. That's a that's a genre of YouTube. It is no, Unclog- literally. Unclogging drains. <laughs> my algorithm is so strange because I watch so many different things, especially non-car stuff, to kind of relax from it. That yeah, it fed me that the one day, and uh, the guy is hilarious, and the videos. It's satisfying to see like something get. I don't know what it is, right? It's one of those things people watch. But All uh, the sh- schmutz coming out of the drain. It's just, just, yeah, you're like, oh, now everything works or whatever. But uh, <laughs> this is so satisfying. And then he cleans everything up. and But, uh, yeah, anyway, he uh, plenty of times in videos where he's getting to, like, uh, service ports and stuff, he's seen, like, funnel webs. And he's like, hey, what's up? And then he, he carries, he has a rat, and he calls it Ratty. And he has a <laughs> crocodile that he calls Crocky, and he has a magpie that he calls Maggie. And then... Uh, <laughs> There's always, he makes a joke, like there's always corn in the shit, obviously. So he'll pick out the pieces of corn and, and put it, he's like, here, Ratty, here's your corn. You know, and some days he's working on like uh, rainwater runoff stuff that's clogged. And he's like, no corn today, Ratty. And he like puts him near the drain to watch the stuff drain. And it's, he's ridiculous. I mean, that's how he keeps himself entertained being covered in shit all day. So <laughs> got to do something. Yeah. Hilarious! The guy's so funny. Well, what a oh, that's uh. A... I'm trying to look through some other ones here that are better than maybe ones I wrote down. Do kangaroos actually attack people? Uh, no. All those videos no. are just select ones that are always all over the internet. Yeah. There's probably two of them. They just get regurgitated. The one, the one where the where the guy saves his dog and then like shapes yes. up and yes. starts boxing with him. That was gold. Yeah. Not saying it didn't happen. It probably did, but it's not exactly everyday um, activities in Australia. Yeah. If it was America, you, kangaroo. If it was America, you'd pull out your overpowered pistol and just annihilate <laughs> that thing. But, yeah, I don't think I would ever... Some of those things are huge, and then they do that where they just gore you with their middle... their claw. Yeah. Oh, the big ones are... Yeah, you wouldn't, you're you not going to go out there and try and cuddle it or anything, but there's, there's, there's literally millions of them. They're, they're everywhere, all over Australia. So Yeah, you said they're big. Usually they're those nuisance. giant ones are more out, out west. Yeah, they are. They... They're not. They don't struggle for repopulating. No. I love that though. He punches it in the face, and it's like, and, it, and it's like, right? It I've been told, and it takes off. It was like, wow. I think there's another one where someone lands a parachute, lands like it's parachuting and lands, and the kangaroo like runs past, and he just sort of drops down next to it, and the kangaroo just like scared the shit out of the kangaroo, and so it it like. Gives him a bit of a kick and then takes off again. <laughs> That's just, I just call that extremely bad. Planning. Oh, someone just wrote that. Someone said a guy lands skydiving, gets immediately assaulted by a kangaroo. <laughs> Check it out. Assaulted. <laughs> yeah. It does like the a running side. Kangaroo business and he landed on top of me. <laughs> it's a fair reaction, I thought. How Do kangaroos taste good? No. They are. You can't. You can only eat them if they're farmed for a start. I don't. You can't even. Make, I don't think you can even make dog food out of them if they're if they're not farmed. So, hmm. um, and it's 
incredibly rich, like like venison, but worse. Ugh. Like it's yeah, not great. Bodybuilders eat it because it's like mega rich. Make so some shit in beef it. cakes. But um, yeah, not my thing. <laughs> How many crocodiles have you wrestled, and what's your favorite venomous snake? I haven't rec- wrestled too many crocs. I've probably I've probably picked one up, but it would have had tape around its mouth, so it can't. They can't open their mouths if you put a bit of, bit of lecky tape around yeah, their mouth. Yeah, their lifting mouth. muscles are nowhere near yeah. as strong as the crushing ones. So I'm going to say no wrangling. And what was the other question? Favorite venomous snake? Uh, we have red belly black snakes here. So they're, um, there was one cruising around and right next to us the other day that my wife wasn't so keen on it. But <laughs> they... they um, they uh, are a danger to the the more aggressive venomous snakes, like the brown snakes. So it's, they tend to consider the good luck to have them around because that means you're not going to have the ones that are actually nasty, the brown snakes. That's but we have massive pythons. They're the best snake. Oh, really? They're huge things. You, you'll just walk outside one day and there'll be just giant thing just coiled up above you car or something in the carport yeah i definitely don't have pythons or boas or anything yeah they're 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 not venomous they're constrictors so they they usually eat something that's bloody 10 times the size of their mouth somehow and then just lie around for five days and digest it yeah they can give you a nice bite they can bite you but they're like you said they don't want anything to do with you so you would have to be like trying to fist fight it and then get bit yeah. That's what people are always like, oh, a snake. I'm like, that thing is scared shit to see you. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, you're you're like 200,000 it... times its size. It doesn't want to <laughs> exactly. deal with you. It just try, It's just trying not to be killed as well. Me and my little guy catch them. We pick them up. Snakes? Oh, yeah, yep. I, uh, How big are they? What's that? How big are they? We have stuff like the size of a pencil and then like two and a half to four feet. A lot of garters, which can be... The little ones are always way more pissed off than the big ones. Especially because you're trying to grab it. 50% of them will... uh, The really interesting thing is you can pick one up and it will not try to bite you. It'll try to bite someone else. And it (laughs) Because they're really, realistically, they can't do a damn thing, so they're trying to intimidate. And I've done, like, slow motion video with my phone of when they strike. It looks like they're striking at you, but they, like, feign a movement, and then three quarters of it is trying to get away. So they're trying to scare you. And then one yeah. thing they do that's funny is they'll, they'll, their head is pretty, like, like pretty angular. What they'll do is they, they flatten out their, they dislocate their jaw and they flatten it to try to look like a venomous snake. Because venomous snakes usually have like a V, a very sharp. Mm. And so they play all these games and then they breathe heavy and they blow themselves up. And But yeah, like they'll uh, they'll act like they're going to bite you. And most of it is trying to turn around the other <laughs> way. But then every now and then you get one that'll just latch on. I have a video one just on my finger, just like just undulating its mouth, like trying to chew through my finger. And it's like it's like a, a quarter the size of my fingertip, its head. I'm like, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing, dude? <laughs> 
are you getting anywhere? And I was making fun of him, and I actually had like a tiny blood spot. I'm like, damn, he broke my skin. <laughs> the big ones are pretty chill. Like you can just pick them up, and they're like, I have a, I have pictures of my kid uh, holding them up, and they're as tall as he is. So they like, must be pretty slow if they, because I suppose it gets pretty hot where you are, doesn't? Up and down. We can have right now. It's fifty degrees, and it might be seventy-eight during the day. So what's we get, that in? What's that in metrics? Oh, it's wings. <laughs> uh, so what you're freezing is zero. Yeah. And then you're like a hundred degrees is like thirty-three for you. Thirty-three yeah. degrees. So yeah, it's like fifty so is that's... not much above freezing. And then it'll swing to like, so it'll probably go 10 to 20 in a day here pretty easily. But hot in summer. Oh, yeah. That's the funny thing about Pennsylvania, at least where I am. We'll have a summer that's 105 degrees and 85% humidity, like 35 degrees for you guys. And people will die from heat. And then we have a winter that's zero with 40 mile an hour wind. And then mm. uh, four feet of snow every other day. So that's why our roads are trash. Because, like, the water gets in and then it freezes and buckles everything. And yeah. then people blow through with a snow plow and rip out a six-foot chunk. And then, yeah, it's it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, not something we ever have to worry about. <clears throat> yeah, so we have. So what happens is a lot of times if you come out in the morning, they're so damn cold. If they didn't get anywhere to hide, they can't move. Yeah. They can't move. And then when it's hot out, they'll, uh, sometimes it's so sunny, they get under something here to get the heat, but not be in the sunlight. So we'll, we have a bunch of stuff in the yard purposely for snakes to hide under and other bugs and animals. So like, they're like our catch sites and we go out there and we flip everything over and pick up bugs and snakes and everything. So yeah. And I also make sure to tell him. That's like like, highly dangerous to flip over a piece of like corrugated iron. (laughs) Yeah, we we have it's like just, this is a probably something incredibly nasty and venomous underneath it. Yeah, so that's the difference you know between a where we are from a long way away. Yeah, we'll get right up on top of it, so we're ready to grab stuff and then flip it over. <laughs> but I made sure to tell him like never grab at anything unless I say it's okay. So we'll flip something, and I'll, I'm like, get it, and he's like, already got. <laughs> I I didn't want him to be scared of stuff for no reason. So, yeah. like, it's tough. Like, my wife is deathly afraid of snakes and some other weird stuff. So, like, if he saw her screaming and running away, he would be scared, too. So, I'm like, dude, just, I'm like, get that thing. And he's like, rat. And people are like, no. I send them pictures of him, like, holding up a snake. And they're like, nope, no, nope. I'm deleting this image. Don't ever do that again. Yeah. It sounds like my wife, she can't even look at a picture of a snake. If we tell her. Freaks out. She's been getting better because she doesn't want to scare the hell out of him about it also. And then uh, he talks about them. So she's going to hear it anyway. So she's been getting better at that. But we're like, hey, we caught two today. And she'll be like, where? Where did you catch them? Because she'll avoid like the whole side of the house or not go outside the rest of the day. Self-preservation. I'm like, if one shows up, just call the call my... He's going to be four in like two weeks. I'm like, call him up. Tell him to pick it up and move it. <laughs> he doesn't care. Yeah. yeah, same thing here in Colorado. Yeah, it gets hot and cold. So huge swing in a day. It ruins everything, especially when it's sunny, like when it's starting to get towards spring, or we have what we call sometimes an Indian summer. Middle of winter, it's warm. 
and then everything freezes and sinks into the ground and then it's it's 18 degrees and windy again the next day and then it's everything is just garbage kills everything uh what would you say is the natural upgrade path for a car in your life modify all at once or brakes first what does this say this is an odd format right so I guess what he means is like upgrade everything at once to your knowledge or see what breaks first and then upgrade it. What's the best or what do you do? I don't know. Formulate a question. Yeah, if it's a daily driver, I suppose you would maybe just do what as you drive it and figure out what, what's lacking. You probably just do it bit by bit. But when we're doing big builds, it's just like you got to do it all at once. So. Yeah, you just have to go through and try and figure it out. What 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 can fit? What will work? What costs the best cost ratio? Um, but yeah, tires is probably the if you want a car that handles and stops and doesn't kill you, put some tires on it that aren't two dollars. Yeah, Dollar General. That's the only thing that's holding you on the road. Yeah, I would say same thing. Like, uh, you could do small things as an upgrade path for something you drive a lot. Or, yeah, like we talked about, if you're going to spit a drive shaft out of something, you're going to break your trans and everything else under the car. Even if you have a hoop, it's going to smack things. And then, like, if it hits the ground, it's going to split the case on the trans. And then mm. if you have expensive stuff on either end, like, it's just going to ruin that, too. Yeah, seen that happen plenty of times. <laughs> Tearing the, like, a whole power glide to bits from... From a broken uni. Every time someone says, you know, oh, if it does whatever, it if it does it, it does it. I tell them the story about that S10 that literally everything broke except for the wheels falling off of it. End to end, complete destruction. Yeah. And then you're not like, replacing the tail shaft. You're replacing the tail shaft, the floor, the brake lines, the fuel lines, the yeah, gearbox. It broke the, <laughs> yeah, it split the engine. It set the engine bay on fire. It ruined the wiring harness. It exploded the battery in the bed. It ripped the yoke, the input shaft, or the, uh, what would you call that? The pinion. The pinion. It ripped the whole thing off the face of the pinion. Like, you could just move it in the diff. It ripped the whole U-joint off of the, yeah. I'm like, you want to do all that? You want to rebuild the whole, just throw the car away? Or do you want to get a drive shaft? And they're like, oh, yeah, I think we're done for the day. But I started to have to look out for, I think a hub dyno would do this too. Uh... If someone has a leaf spring car and they don't have some substantial, like if it's a stock leaf pack that's gigantic, that's okay. But if they have a like a aftermarket leaf pack, like a split mono leaf or something like that, or they took a lot of leafs out on a light duty vehicle or car, they'll get so much axle wrap that the U joint will go terminal and rip apart. Also, so I've had a few cars that look okay, but now I had to start looking at like uh, traction bars or similar, mm. like some sort of spring arrester. Or something to stop the axle wrap. Because I've had cars that look fine. Uh, as all of a sudden, you know, once they're making enough power, they just keep pushing the pinion up until it's terminal. So I don't know if that would happen on a hub dyno or if... I've seen that too, where a drive shaft looks like a piece of drain pipe that someone put U-joints on. And that came out too, obviously. That was the one, the one that broke for us was pretty much that. Someone, <laughs> went, the tar shaft guy just went to the... To the junkyard and got a a Falcon, a Ford tail shaft, and then just plugged the welded the end that we wanted on it, 
it's like that's built for 200 horsepower, not 500. I've had people say to me, like, oh, my friend just put U-joints in it. I'm like, it still looks like a rusty fucking lamppost. <laughs> <laughs> you wasted your money on U-joints, apparently. Jeez. The U-joints don't break. The bloody shaft, the shaft breaks most of the time. Yeah, It'll right be... in the middle, I, I see a lot. Like, they just, you have equal halves. Yeah, they, they get in the middle. Either they do that oblong, or they just, that's the weakest part with all the fulcrum on both ends. Mm. Uh, oh, how do you do fuel pump wiring when you put in-tank pumps in? As in, how do I get the wires through? Yeah, I guess if you have a preferred method, I would say it depends on the vehicle is largely what you would do. Yeah, um, but you can get a little bulkhead. Because most of those big, most of those replacement pumps like TI, Walbro things, the you need to put big wires to them. Or they just they they just either they'll never perform if you don't. But they also overheat and overheat all your relays and melt your fuse boxes and stuff because you, you're basically creating this big resistor chain. So you got to punch through and put new wires through, and you can get little bulkhead things for that now, um, like a like an insulated nut double-ended stud so you can actually run a, a large gauge wire through instead of using the original uh, like the connector which would have had pretty small wire going through it so you just lose all that and just go straight through the top of the, the hat however it works that's the best way to do it I've also that's, that's one of the things that people um, I think took a long time from the workout just because that pump's physically the same size as the one you pulled out it, it flows like three times as much so it's going to yeah. use it's going to give a lot more current draw, yeah, and it just yeah melts everything. Or it just never flows. You, you put 800 horsepower with a fuel time, pump it's in and you, working. you it's run not, out of 400. Not, that's it, yeah. Making yeah. it hard for everyone. What I started doing was uh, my buddy Monkey Fab sells like one of those, uh, it looks like a little anvil head. And it's got the rubber grommets in it, or they're made out of like uh, PTFE or fuel safe or whatever. They're for meant for running wires and other things, but I've used them in a couple fuel hats where you drill the hole and you put the lock washer on the other side, and then it has a rubber grommet with like the fins on it. So you tighten oh, it, like and then it grabs all the wires and makes a pretty good seal. A Glen nut or something, I think. Yeah, I would never put it on the side of a fuel tank, but for the hat, I haven't had no issues. And yeah. then what I thought about for doing next thing I retrofit with a bunch of pumps is doing a. Like a bulkhead uh, DT connector. Yeah, and then they're also I, a good option. Because I've done like a, a bunch of uh, DT through one of those bulkhead connectors, but I'm like, why don't I buy a bulkhead DT and then just plug it into the hat? Because then the concern is uh, people are like, well, you can't run that much amperage if it's a sending unit uh, signal and ground and a power and ground. I'm like, well, even if you have three pumps, you can do an eight pin connector and give pumps a bunch of sets of wires. Yeah. That's what I'm using now, a grip lock connector. Okay. What Would you think that the fuel pump is the same as the fans that need a power ramp? 70 amp? Well, I would say most people in tank, they're staging pumps. Or they're running a pump that they're just turning on once, because he's saying uh, soft start or power ramp. So that only works on certain pumps anyway. The, they the don't pumps like that we use on the Bedford yeah. van, I had I soft started them with the Nexus, and they would 
they would make a noise like someone was knocking on your front door. So they'd just go, dunk, 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 and then start after the soft start finished it. So it didn't work at all because they were big, giant, like coffee grinder things, like 1,500 horsepower each. Yeah, that's incredibly noisy. So, yeah, only certain pumps will will tolerate less than 12 volts anyway. So they just won't start. So sometimes that doesn't work. I would say I've never run out of triple Walboro 450s, and I run on one, and then I trigger two more at yeah, around 10. Someone was just asking, when do I stage them? Usually, I uh, Holly does three different things. A lot of other stuff, I do the same. Uh, otherwise, you're using a hob switch. But most of the time, if you're if you're doing something like that, you have an output like a Holly, and I do like 25 percent throttle, 2500 RPM, and 10 pounds. Yeah. Usually, most setups are going to start running out over 10 pounds. If you have a turbo that's gigantic and a motor that's gigantic, you're probably going to want to turn those on sooner. Yeah. We we had some dramas with just getting that sort of stuff right on that Bedford van when we first took it to the track because what what was happening on the dyno was a controlled ramp, but when we got it on the track, it was everything was happening much faster because it wasn't under the dyno's control. Yeah, it was unloading so and spinning. Everything had to be turned on far earlier because, yeah, it just sort of, it was kind of like light switch power delivery and then the, the way the pump staging was couldn't keep up. I like the but, way he drives. Um, he like smashes it in first and it spins. <laughs> so he just smashes high gear. Oh yeah. It's, it's wild ride. That thing. That guy drives like I do. I like how kind of, he looks docile and like a dummy, and then he does like that shit, and you're like, okay, that's. He's a, he's like a like circuit motorbike racer, and oh just, yeah, he's just... just all sorts of crazy dirt bike, crazy dirt bike rider. Doesn't care. This is I I kind of want to do a. Did you ever use like a brushless pump before? I haven't yet as yet. No, I got. I tried one before, and I had another one uh, in the G. Holly sponsors them. I, I normally wouldn't buy them, but now I have like a lot of respect, and I think that they are pretty worth the money. So what I want to do is this Mustang will probably make 1,100 or 1,300 horsepower to the tire, and I want to put one brushless in and see how far it'll go. Yeah. Because I have made like eight and change to the tire with the single brushless, and it doesn't care. It hasn't had a problem yet. I'm like, man, how far will this go? Because the pump's like 480 bucks, but if you consider uh, the brushless does not, it flows, they, I think they underrate it because it's like two 340s each stage. So the pump, they say, flows 680 LPH, but I guess it could be that it's the instance where it never drops off in flow. You know how a lot of in-tanks drop off really quickly? So you end up running like a lower base just to stay away from, if you're running significant boost, you have to... Not built to, to to operate at eighty psi, or whatever. It's only it's only built to operate at sixty or whatever. So you got to run low base pressure. So the uh, that pump will flow full flow at one hundred from like thirty to one hundred and thirty psi. So if you can imagine like having your injector get that much bigger with that much pressure with no drop in flow, is probably the reason why it can go so far. But what's cool about that is you can run on the one stage and then just trigger the second stage, and the pump is small. It's 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 as thin or thinner than a two fifty five. So is it two pumps in a housing? Is no, that it's one pump, asking? and there's a brushless. So uh, 
Radium or some other guys are selling like a full-on controllable brushless with a controller. But in my yeah. opinion, it's kind of it's harder to use. I don't think a lot of people understand. Like, I think you can PWM an output and fully control zero to a hundred on it. Whereas the Holly, to maintain like the cheaper price, the controller does fifty percent and a hundred percent high and low. Yeah. So that's super easy. It's just a little box and it has a trigger wire and everything else, and it manages the brushless. But it's a single pump, and it's like it's smaller than a 255. It's ridiculous. But I've made eight and change with it, and it on E70 something, and it didn't want to quit. Yeah, that's cool. Sounds like the next generation of not noisy coffee machine pumps. Yeah, it is extremely quiet because that car had a exhaust all the way out the back, and it was actually fairly tame to drive. You would never hear the pump. All that noise, all that pump noise is stopping you from hearing other important noises. That's the, that's the problem I have. I can't believe how loud it is on that Bedford. Holy shit, it's loud. Rubber that smashes around the... Oh. Have you ever used the Hellcat fuel? I've had some people that I dyno with a Hellcat pump, and I think the biggest thing there is it's meant to run a little bit more pressure than a 450. It's a 525, but the cost is way more. You could You could... You could do a triple 450. They're like 100 bucks a piece in in US. And mm-hmm. then if you're not an idiot and you hang and stage those, I I conservatively rate them at like 500 wheel on ethanol a piece. When I've had a bunch of cars do like 650, 700 wheel through an auto, but if you three of them is 300 bucks, and if you can put it in a stock, a hat, mm-hmm. and stage them, you have like over 1500 horsepower worth of fuel on ethanol for 300 bucks. Mm-hmm. And pretty quiet too. Yeah, and they are one four fifty noise instead of a horrible grinding noise. Yeah. So the five two fives, I think they just yeah, it's like it's a, it's five two five, but it's not. It's a it's a numbers game rather than a this is this pump is different. It's kind of doesn't doesn't look different to me. But. Yeah, and the, the the price is big, and it's barely any more flow. And then same thing, like, uh, once you need any more fuel than that, or your tank isn't big enough to stack that many, and you don't want to spend the money on a surge tank, uh, that brushless is actually pretty incredible for yeah. under 500 bucks, in my opinion. And then uh, I'd like to do a surge, so I'd love to see the brushless tap out, and if it doesn't, I'm just going to never take it out. I'd love to see the brushless make like twelve fifty. That'd be retarded, in my opinion. And uh, I'd always—I've never done a surge tank, but uh, Deechworks has a really nice, like a five and a half liter triple pump billet thing, yeah. and it has all the different size uh, hangers to fit different uh, thickness pumps. And it goes into a billet hat, and it has pump one and two uh, already wired with, like you said, like the big bulkheads. You can put like a yeah. eight gauge wire on the damn things and. And uh, everything's labeled nice, and it's only like three hundred sixty bucks. Yeah, that's good. I yeah, those. I like, I'm a fan of those. Even just to sell with with three pumps in it is a, is a good option for yeah. for a fuel tank these days. Compared to trying to chop up things and make things fit and not leak and. And that's what I realized too. Like a big surge tank with three pumps is better than massacring your whole tank trying to hang your your fuel gauge and everything else because yeah what i also learned from reading their thing and i agree and i learned was uh 
a stock 255 will feed an S load of power to a surge tank because there's zero PSI. Yeah. So the fuel flow is actually through the roof on a 255 with no back pressure on it. So yeah, they say like if you want to make 2,000 horsepower with triple pumps, you only need like a 450 feeding the surge tank to keep it above yeah. water. Uh, oh, what's the biggest mistake you'd ever made with a vehicle or something? Made heaps of mistakes with vehicles. Um, I think anybody that says nearly yeah. none is obviously lying. <laughs> really completely no, I suppose the, I think the worst failure I've had was probably with one of those V12 Toyota engines that just broke a rod and tore the engine to bits after a huge job to fit everything oh. that was a bit of a, wasn't, wasn't fun wasn't fun for the owner either can we clear the whole 43 versus 60 uh, it's just like stock. People rate an injector. So those are bar, 43 and 60. People rate injectors at 43 or at 60. They're like the most popular. So like Ford and other people use like 43 as a base forever. Chevy uses 58. There's no real difference there. Uh, and, you know, it's just what they are. And then people are like, people will come to me for a dyno and they're like, oh, I have the fuel pressure at whatever. Do we need to move it? I'm like, no, but we're tuning it anyway, so... And then, in my opinion, moving from 43 to 60 barely gives you any fuel if you need it anyway. It's almost nothing. But, like we said, I said earlier, if you're running in tanks, they can nose off at higher pressure. So if you're running yeah. an ass load of boost on a turbo LS, you probably want like a... I, I would say a lot of injectors will go to 30 pounds base and still run correctly. I've done it with two tens. I ran like 30 base and in vacuum it would pull it to like a high 20. And then, yeah, it would... Uh, and they still sprayed okay. It would still run like normal. At least it felt yeah. like normal. But yeah, this guy says fuel pressure is just to get the most out of your injector. A lot of pumps fall off at pressure. So the more pressure you give it, the sooner it will run out of fuel. If you tune enough cars and you keep jamming, that's why I don't touch the fuel pressure normally. Because once you start jamming it in, it just dies faster. It's a 58. PSI for the LS stuff. That was that's because they were never meant to be boosted. But it's uh, like a. It's probably the best atomization. Pattern. I'm sure they spent millions of dollars figuring out the best spray yeah. pattern. Was but that they, they never had to worry about it going into into pressure in front of the the, the pintle. So what what's good for a factory thing and what's good for something that you're stuffing two bar into yeah, or whatever. It's totally different. It's two different things. They're just factory pressures. Yeah, and then someone said, here, I dropped my fuel pressure to get my pulse width up on a 210 to get it to idle better because a higher pressure with a gigantic injector if your ECU is incapable has a hard time opening yeah. in a short enough amount of time to not... Opening and rich. shutting again. Yeah. So that's another... That, that's something I didn't mention. It's good he brought that up because that's totally true also. Put the pressure up to use more of the, you know, more or less of the injector up or down. A lot of people don't have that issue though, especially with like cheap ass stuff like Holly Terminator or run a gigantic injector with, with no issue yeah. at all. Why well, do a vacuum talking. reference and not just stable pressure with EFI? Well, 
a lot of the, I would say 100% nearly of the stock LS stuff is no real vacuum reference and just stable pressure. The other thing is, if you're running 20 pounds of boost in an intake, it has a deficit to spray into. So if you have yeah. 40 pounds of fuel pressure, guys, and you have 20 pounds in the intake, it's almost like effectively having 20 pounds of fuel pressure because it has to work so damn hard to get the fuel in over the delta of the pressure ratios. So you'll see your yeah, VE I'm, table I'm getting... I've cards without, without fact reference, but you, you don't want to do it if it's a... Uh, if you've got heaps of pump and heaps of injector and your ECU's happy... To you know, like a health tech or whatever, you, you can tell it whether it's got boost reference, like it or uh, or not, and, the, and it, it, it expects to see a drop in in fuel pressure if you don't have boost reference. So it accounts for it, but obviously it's going to be better to to try and keep the the yeah. pressure the same. If you have it, you're not using it. That's dumb because it takes two seconds to hook up a vacuum line. Yeah, this is only on stuff where we would put the regulator in the boot or whatever. Or a lot of the time, it's to do with keeping the engine bay clean. Or it's, or it's a stock returnless fuel setup, like the intake. Yeah, I've done that too. Done, done uh, pass through the regulator up to the front. Yeah, you know, I put, would put the regulator in 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 the boot on top of the surge tank or something, and then just run a single line. And sometimes it's just to do with the clutter in the engine bay, like if it's a, a nice showy sort of car that you want the engine bay to be super clean and not have any hoses because, yeah, it can be a pretty a bit of a mess. It they look good when you put the engine in there, but when you put all the stuff on the engine that makes the engine actually work, then all of a sudden it doesn't look as neat anymore. So, yeah. uh, what a uh, question is, what would your next diesel project be if you could choose it or if you already have it lined up? I don't have anything lined up, but um, I'd like to do another Duramax patrol, but that's a big job, and I just did a patrol, and it, it's it's not all about what I want to do. It's Sometimes it's about what people are going to watch, so it, you've got to, got to sort of keep that in the back of your mind. It might probably be a couple of years before I, I did that just because, you know, some people love four-wheel drives and some people hate them, and you got to try and keep everyone happy, I suppose. <laughs> well, you don't have to. But. Uh, this one's kind of funny, but Holly versus Haltech. I don't know anything about Hollies, but I think they're probably, in reality, it's, they're both uh, in the same level. I don't think they're in the same market, though, because Holly is for LSs and small blocks and, you know, like that's what they're chasing, whereas Haltex will run anything. So, I mean, you can run anything on Holly, too, but when you start getting variable cam timing and all that sort of stuff, that, that I, I gather that that's, that's a limitation for them because that's not what they're marketed for. I would agree, yeah, because, I mean, a Holly could do incredible things, but there's not separate tables for a VVT. You'd have to build advanced tables to maybe do that. And uh, other stuff I've looked at, like uh, ECU Master, Haltech, and other stuff have built-in VVT tables and, like, 3D, 4D tables for if the cam yeah. is different in the fuel table. And then uh, Haltech also has an ass-load of drop-down ignition 
things. And they will do, I've seen videos where they write, uh, especially for the V6, or the flat six turbo car that you guys did with Marty and Moog, they wrote a new trigger pattern into the firmware and updated yeah. it in like hours. Yeah. So they took the trigger log and made it a drop down like that day. That's, yeah. The, I think we talked about it before that the, the fourth, they, they're using a lot of forethought when they built that elite platform to make it so you could do that much easier than what, what was previously possible. So they can like, yeah, write a new firmware and you can just like patch it in there and it really easily so they can make major changes like trigger patterns and stuff like that. So that, that kind of cuffs, that's cool. But like I said, it's a different market. They, Haltex, we were, we were playing around with weird Japanese import engines since way back, like since Haltex started. So they always knew that that's what they were, were expected to, to service this you know, weird trigger patterns and variable cam timing and whatever the latest uh, tech is. So it's always been like that. Well, I would say they're your home team also. Oh, yeah, yeah. They were, I think they're 30 years old, I think, this year. 35 years? Yeah, 35, 86. Oh, nice. Oh, this is the I... first laptop programmable ECU. Wow, I didn't know that. Good I'm sure it was guys. terrible. But... <laughs> I'm going to mess with one soon. A guy who has a Haltech on like two of his Subarus, he and his girlfriend had built a uh, Turbo LS truck and they put a Haltech on it because that's what he knows. And he asked me, he's like, I know how to use a Haltech, but I don't know how to tune a Turbo LS car. So we're going to go back and forth and I'm going to learn a lot about it. I'm looking forward to it. I don't think you'll be disappointed. They're very user-friendly as far as tuning and stuff goes yeah I, I check out the software and so whenever i see something like that that i like like fuel tech or hall tech or ecu master i mess with the software and see how intuitive it is right away and i would say holly definitely has that down but they're kind of locked out of more advanced stuff but it makes sense for the for their market turbo i would say big drag race v8s yeah yeah so and that's a big market in the states particularly so yeah why well, wouldn't you guys have i know what they're doing what I like about the Haltech too is they have the fully programmable drive-by-wire stuff. Uh, Holly has what they approve, and you have to use that. Whereas yep. you can just program a ramp. Like if something has a, a falling or a rising, and then the throttle's falling or rising, you just you just uh, yeah. calibrate both and call it a day. That's that's really good. I, I did drive-by-wire first time I ever did it was on a, a Link um, or Vipec it was, which is a a sub brand of link and it was not easy it's you, you don't understand how much work is being how much easier it is when they've basically written this entire side program to auto calibrate that throttle and that's it's huge like the work that, that would have gone into that to make it easy on the end user because it just works if your sensors are wide upright and your motors are wide upright you just do those things and it goes, yep, it works now. Yeah. It's and it, these, it's uh, really yeah. cool. Like it does this full testing. It was actually designed by an OE, um, like an engineer that moved over to work for Haltech, probably when one of the Holdens or Fords went, you know, because all our, all our vehicle production ceased. So there was a lot of skilled um, OE guys around and they, they went looking for them and, 
and use them to improve stuff like that. Like they probably know from the from ground level how that throttle works and how it wants to work and yeah, how they to might have done absolutely everything like what they would say soup to nuts on that, so they know exactly what to do to calibrate and use. Yeah. Yeah, I love uh, the Holly does the drive-by-wire, so I've been getting a lot into that, and I really love drive-by-wire now because it's not bullshit with, like, a stock computer where you have to do all of the hoops, and then it, you know, it limps and whatever else, and uh, people always hate on drive-by-wire, but I'm like, when you can tell a drive-by-wire what to do, just it's like only an doing engine. that because that's the way it's being programmed. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, when you it's... can tell an engine to run good, you can tell a drive-by-wire to run good. Yeah. And then I like the uh, infinite adjustability of the stop point. You're not messing with, like, a, a large throttle body with an IAC motor has no resolution. Like, you're like, yeah. uh, you know, you're choosing one, whereas drive-by-wire, you get, you can get, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, it's so much better for idle control, particularly, and also for... Yeah, like you said, if you've got a massive throttle body on a small engine, like an LS throttle on a four liter or something, that's if it's met, met, like cable controlled, you can smack that thing open way faster than the. It's really hard to get the like the throttle tip in to to work properly because it's it's reacting to what you're doing versus the drive by wire, which is it's it's driving the throttle, so it knows it it's. It knows what's going to happen, so it can it can start adding your throttle tip in before the throttle even moves. Like it, yeah. it makes such a difference. And uh, Scotty did a video with a guy that did OE Ford calibrations, and he talked about uh, the average speed of a human because people always talk about it's slow or whatever. And um, and he talked about the average opening time with a human with a cable, even drag racers that are you know what you would think would be faster with it. And the drive-by-wire was like 10 times faster hmm. physically moving because it's a high-torque motor and not you swinging your leg or whatever. But uh, then they, uh, what I liked was I had, I built a Infinity, I don't know if you guys have these, but it's a, it's called a G35. Yeah, like they're a called. 350Z or something like that. G35 Skylines, they're called here. But they're imported from Japan as well, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I did a, uh, it has an Iron 4.8 and I had an LSA blower on it. And it had the Nissan CD09 six-speed manual trans and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, the, the blower made 17 pounds, and it was a 92-millimeter throttle body. So the blower was spinning its balls, and like the minute you would touch... It was very touchy, obviously. So the awesome thing about drive-by-wire is I put an exponential curve in there, and then it drove like my Kia until yes. you could spin forth when you stabbed it, you know? But uh, the making it drivable is gigantic and i can only imagine if you have like a crazy drag car with a gigantic throttler twin 90 millimeters how easily you can make that drive because you know the bigger the throttle is the it's like 99 kpa the minute you crack it the airflow is massive yeah particularly with blowers i had a lot of trouble with that that kingswood with the holden engine with the blower on it just getting the the tipping of the i don't know whether it was I'm not sure why, but it was a pain. It had a, a Mustang throttle body on it, like an oversized thing. Yeah. Um, for, I guess, for Windsor's or something. Just happened to be the right, the thing that I could make work. And yeah, it was terrible just to, just to get, I guess the blower was always wanting to shove air in there quick smart and you just couldn't 
it just couldn't catch it fast enough because of the size of the throttle. I think I don't think that would have happened if it had a had drive by wire. It's just different different strategy to adding fuel. I think people are surprised drive-by. when I say like they're like, "Oh yeah, you don't use the." I'm like, whenever I can, I I like drive by wire. And they're like, what? I, I hate stepper motor. It's my bane of my existence. That's Never what I run a... into. I can't get... It won't cold start, and if it cold starts, it like is, it's bottomed out the IAC when it's trying in gear or idling, or you're choosing one and you're you're holding the throttle anyway when it's cold. You might as well not have the damn thing. Mm. And then uh, the car I'm building now has Holly's twin intake on it, yeah. and I have twin 92mm drive-by wires on it. Because the dominator I did, can I did do comment dr- on one of the things. Are, are you sure you got enough throttle or something? <laughs> it's just one of those things where I've never. That's seen a lot it. of throttle, isn't it? Holy oh yeah, but I mean, that's how big the intake is, right? So the uh, with drive by wire, it won't matter. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah, it'll be cool to show people because this is going to be a twin turbo car with twin uh, intercoolers that are segmented and uh, twin throttle bodies with each side of the motor is segmented. So it'll be neat to, I want to put pressure sensors everywhere because a bunch of my friends are smarter than I am, had theories where on a twin turbo car that's feeding a single intercooler and outlet, one turbo is always working harder than the other. They're fighting each other. There's potential for that. I've come across stuff like that. So segmenting them, uh, you know, would be an interesting experiment. And then I want to put like uh, turbo speed sensors on them. So it would be neat to do a car with a single intercooler where they're all conglomerate and see the turbo speeds like if one's struggling or whatever i was gonna send you a picture of this fucking intake with the twin 92 millimeters on it i just i sent it to you on messenger if you want to see it i saw it on the on the sloppy page the the anteater twin (laughs) intake it looks cool but i just i'm like is this like a seven liter or eight liter engine because that's a bloody lot of throttle yep I just thought no one really uses them, so it'd be cool. I like it would it would be so much cooler to me if it just had like an LS3 intake on it, and it was just low and whatever. But part of me's like, I see those double intakes on stuff. It's all like SEMA stuff. No wiring, no injectors. No one's really using them. Most of the time, there's not even a throttle. There's no throttles. It's just the intake, <clears> and every, everyone's like, wow. And then I have seen it on some cars, and it's just cable. So I'm like, I want to do dual drive-by because everyone's scared of that twins and then i mean what what's easier trying to like mechanically set up two mechanical throttles that are that big and have a drive off yeah. or an idle off you know i've done that before it sucked kind of it was an intake that looked like like that intake but was made here in australia and it sucked <laughs> <laughs> massive it had like 100 mil throttles or something on it like oh yeah that's 100 mil. Oh, they were huge aftermarket cable throttles. I was like, wow, this thing's going to be so shit to tune. <laughs> I'm glad it's not me. I was just putting it together. But uh, yeah. I could always make an adapter that necks mine down to like two V6 Chevy Malibu throttles because we use those on a... My friend has a... I've posted stuff about it. You may or may not have seen it. He has a S10, a square body S10 with a VR6 turbo and a CDO9 Nissan and Explorer rear. And, uh, That's a he, pretty well combo, hey? <laughs> yeah, and he had a bunch of ECUs on it, and he hated them all. And then we put a Terminator X Max on it, and he put a R32 coils on it, and a drive-by wire throttle, 
and everything, and uh, it works great. And as a, it's funny, a Terminator on a VR6, and we used all the stock uh, crank, cam, and temperature sensors. So we hashed all those out. So, you know, if anybody else wants to do it, we already have all the calibrations for all the stock sensors. So how, how adaptable is the Terminator X? What was it, Ma- X-Max? What did oh, you say X, it was? The, there's, Holly is so stupid for naming these things that. Because you could buy a Dominator kit that's called the Terminator EFI kit. <laughs> and then you can buy, like, a sniper, like an older throttle body injection kit that's called a Terminator yeah. kit. And that's, that's a Terminator terrible. kit. So then it's kind of like the guy at GM that was like, we should call the new motor an LT1. Which was already a... Which was already motor. a piece of shit in 1995. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so why would cool. you curse it uh, anyway? It's a TPI motor, isn't it? The tune port thing. Yeah, basically it's a TPI with the water so pump is covering the the uh, distributor in the front of the motor, so the water pump would leak and piss into the distributor and ruin it. And yeah, anyway, yeah. So why did they do that? So my biggest, I always give them so much shit, Holly. Like I'm like, why did you? And it's nobody I know, so I'm complaining to people that don't care and know there's care. nothing they can do about it. Poor guys. But I'm like, why did you call it a Terminator? It's called a Terminator X. So we always say Terminator, but it's a Terminator X. And that's the engine only, right? So I, I, I can't can't not hear that and think about the bloody... There's a band turn, or a rap group. Turntablist from bloody... Yes. Um, oh, they can't even And then there's a Terminator X Max, which is drive-by-wire and transmission control. And then you can a la carte the drive-by-wire harness or trans harness. So you can buy the setup from them that does engine and drive-by-wire only, or engine and tranny only, or engine, tranny, and drive-by-wire. So yeah. it's kind of like a mini Dominator with no I.O. So anyway. So it still does two throttles, though. But why did they call it? The Terminator can't do dual electronic throttle. It can only do one. The stepper motor in it's not strong enough to do two motors, but the Dominator yeah. can. It'd be funny for someone. Obviously, if you got two, like, obviously, you don't need gigantic throttles. I bet you could split the throttle wires to like two Malibu throttles like I was talking about. And it, it probably I know people used to do that on stuff in Australia and never had a problem with factory ECUs even, but uh, obviously it's frowned upon from the from the um, and, uh, ECU manufacturer's point of view. <laughs> but I would assume there's much less electrical torque going through two small throttle blades and two smaller motors than there is trying to wrap ninety twos around. But uh I think what I was asking was to get that VR6 engine going on a on a Terminator X as the is your like trigger is there a trigger menu like is it or is uh, it just because it's a 58 tooth or something you just told it it was a LS What's cool is it is a it's a 60 minus 2 so it is a 58 yeah. and you can do custom ignition stuff so if you have like a flying magnet or something else you want to use a terminator on a big block turbo car you can uh, there is a bunch of drop-downs, but it's mostly for all the V8 stuff. But you can choose four, six, or eight-cylinder, and then you can do a custom trigger, and you can do a custom cam input within reason. Not not every cam input, but like 1X, yeah. 4X. Like, so you would... But, so it's a 58-tooth crank and a 1X uh, on a 12-valve and a 4X, which is all very similar to LS stuff, so it's all yeah. drop-downs. So then all you need to do is get the... Uh, uh, the timing marks correct. The offset, like the, yeah. Yeah, like 180, 175, or whatever. So you just have to get your timing right, and then 
uh, a lot of those cars have like the big single coil pack or some garbage. You put LS coils or R32, like any kind of smart coil with a 5-volt reference, you can directly wire it off of the crank trigger and then you can have sequential. Uh, also, my buddy, uh, yeah, he just wrote it. He already's writing it. My buddy Chris Ortiz here put one on a B-Series Honda. He made his own crank trigger that bolted, I believe, to the balancer, and then he did a cam yeah. pickup, and then, bam, he has a Terminator on a Turbo B-Series. I love doing stuff like that. Yeah. Sticking. He posted videos of They're it, too. engines, so it's all the same cycle, so it's cool that it, it just does work, like. There's a little bit of customized drop-downs that you can do, so it's neat to see, you know. It's not it's not like Haltech or Megasquirt where you have, like, 70 things in a drop-down, but you can, it just has a custom at some point, and you can do whatever you want from... It, it only... You can only... You can't type in cylinders. You can only choose 468. But that covers most, you know, most of it anyway. If you had a V12, you could probably just do batch. Like, you know, just match the firing orders, and it would probably run yeah. as a six-cylinder. That's how I've done it before in V12s. That's awesome. I just thought that you could probably do that, so it's neat to know you can. I ran a um, Nissan V8 as a two-stroke on a Motec once, too, because <laughs> it was a M600, and for some reason, if it's not an M800, you can't run a V8 with it. So I was like, that was news, news to me, but I already wired the whole car up and everything, and they're like, oh, you can't do that. And then the guy's like, oh... Yeah, you could probably just select negative four or whatever, or negative three, and that that means it's a two-stroke, not plus three is a six-cylinder and negative three is a three-cylinder two-stroke or something. So, so because it's a two-stroke cycle, it, I just ran it all, um, yeah, like batch fired, and it ran like a charm for years. Oh, people said uh, Andy was the kick in the ass that Haltech needed. They're probably Adaptronic fanboys, but <laughs> I think it's a very good partnership. But yeah, I think it's uh, at the end of the day we're the ones who are winning because he's he's a genius and Haltech's got the got the um, infrastructure to make his ideas come to life and and be reliable. Which is so everyone's winning, especially us. Oh, as people say, what do you think about a TR sixty sixty? That is a awesome transmission. We have heaps of those here, so yeah. When you guys are sticking Nissan gearboxes behind your LSs, we just—they all come with sixty sixties or T fifty sixes here, so they're That's cheap. Nice. Well, they're not as cheap as they used to be, but you used to be able you used to be able to get a T fifty six or a sixty sixty for eight hundred bucks or something, which is hmm. pretty good. Yeah, they're astronomical here. That's why whenever someone's like, people uh, every now and then will ask me, they're like, "I want to do a whole turbo LS setup, but I want to do." I want to do a man pedal. I want a stick shift. I said, double the price of your quote sheet. And they're like, what? I'm like, double it. And also, it. It, won't, it, it won't work as well either because good automatics are really, really good to, at making you go fast. Manual yeah. transmission, not so good. I get it, but like, yeah. There's a drift car or something like that, obviously. But yeah. But then you take someone for a drive in like a 480E and everything else, they're like, holy shit. But yeah, whatever. If you want to row gears and smash your $3,000 clutch and everything else, yeah. Yeah, you think converters are expensive. <laughs> try, one, try one a clutch that can handle 800 horsepower. Yeah. 
I love when people talk about how expensive converters are. And then are. try to be able to use it. It'll be awful to use at the I same had, time. I had a twin disc in my my G because it used the Nissan size clutch, so I had to go to a twin to make any decent power, and it was twenty six fifty. And when you tell people that, I'm like, yeah, it's, that's a consumable too. If you're dumping that, and it yeah, it's also break. yeah, hundred percent. It's not going to last like a, a converter does. Yeah, I mean, ask drift guys how long they get out of a clutch. Or anything. I was going to do a banger setup on the Barra build, but it was like 13k for what I wanted. It was only 5,000 for a TH400, and it'll be faster as shit with no maintenance. <laughs> oh, my buddy Kenny wrote, you know, uh, power management with drive-by-wire is also incredible. You can limit the throttle, or you can have... Uh, wheel spin shutting yeah. the throttle, or yeah, so much more. You so many just yeah, like hitting a, a fuel or ignition cut, which can sometimes be like damaging Snap a timing chain. Yeah, take an oil pump gear from eight thousand to off. Yeah. <laughs> That's why RBs blow up because banging them off a rev limiter cracks the oil pump gear. And why would you not be smashing an RB off the limiter? That's all I well, would do. They sound not cool. I dump <laughs> it in third in a. They, also have, they don't have much bottom end power, so you got to rev them. I dump it at seven thousand in a water puddle and just let it eat. What a fly in here! Liquid, liquid horsepower, they call that. Yeah, I love it when people go past the dyno, just boiling their uh, front tires in a Honda past the dyno, and then they hook in like second gear. It's so. It's so limp-wristed that it just hooks in second gear. Oh, uh, my buddy Chris says, Alan needs to tag along with Haltech and come to World Cup Finals in Maryland. I'd be keen to come to... Maybe they can America sponsor you. ASAP. Oh, what probably won't be next year. Probably be the year after this, right? Yeah. Now, someone asked me, how much did my G make with the LSA? I had made like a high 600 with it, but I ended up detuning it to like 599 because uh, it would just, it was so retarded that there was no reason to, like max power I could stretch out of it was like 680 one day. And there's, but I didn't want to push it that much because I just abused the shit out of that thing so much that I, I took that 60 or so horsepower out of it just to, uh, and that thing I was not nice to. I would be at a stoplight, and the light would go green, and I would rev to, like, 6,500 and dump it in third. And then just all the way up the road, all over the place, shift fourth, still be spinning in fourth. Almost opposite lock the thing. Yeah. It's good that those things have got such great diffs and brakes and stuff on them, hey? Like, that's that's why the, the, all that Skyline stuff was so popular here. It was a great chassis with a big diff and... They pretty much give you everything except a decent engine. Yeah. And that not, was I'm not picking on RPs, but they weren't the greatest. Um, I was really impressed because this uh, this was a 07 G35, and it had 140,000. And uh, I was always like, man, the people that drive these are retarded. Because they usually like have no exhaust, and they're always revving them and whatever. Yeah, and they sound terrible. But uh, I drove it, and I'm like, man, I see why people love these cars. It drives great. Like, uh, it feels planted, and the brakes are good, and then the, the steering wheel yeah. and the shifter are good, and the trans is incredible. It just makes, like, 180 horsepower. It's awful. Yeah. Uh, I never liked those engines. 
terrible things. Yeah, mine was I bought it because it was super clean, uh, and it was like the it was like the Grand Touring or Sport Touring edition. It had like a the gas tank was huge. It had power eight way power heated leather seats, sunroof, HIDs, everything you can imagine. And then I just slammed in a, an iron four eight and a blower, and it just I would just row through all the gears, smashing the rev limiter all day in it. So the four eight have square port or rectangle heads. They don't do that over here. They they're only cathedral. Even if you get like a two thousand and eleven four eight way into okay. Gen four, it's still cathedral. So how uh, do you do the blower? Because they they'd be for a wreck. You're right. I had adapter plates. I had aluminum plates that uh, you know went from square to cathedral, which is yeah, perfect. Right. Uh, you know, but you can't put a wreck port on a four eight because the bore is so damn small. The valves will hit the deck. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the issue there. And even if you had like a 4.8 and you put a gigantic valve in the head for a smaller head circumference, uh, a lot of engine builders and people that aren't stupid, I, I think anyway, say that you, you run into too much shrouding and the air can't get in because majority of the valve is flat up against the cylinder wall. Yeah, everyone, not everyone, but once the record heads came out here in like 05 or whatever, that was, everything was wreck port then, and people just went, "Wow, these are way better than cathedrals," and no one wanted to use a cathedral anymore. Yeah, so it's because you guys have all car motors. We have an abundance of truck motors, so the truck. And then what's funny is uh, there are square port truck motors, but they're the big ones. They're like a six liter because of the bore. So like yeah. you guys have LS two, LS three. They're all four inch bore. I mean LS two, LS two is six liter. That's two forty three heads here. Yeah, that's smaller. I think those are a three... Like an LS1 and an LS2 are the same bore, I think, which is like slightly over a 5.3. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. They're like... I think the ones we got were like 10.9 to 1 compression. They had like a closed chamber head or something on them. That's is awesome. that right? We have like 9 to 1 garbage cans that we just fill with turbo air. 9 to 1? I think that I think our most of our four eight five threes, yeah. No wonder you're putting boost in them. Yeah, they're just truck motors that were meant to last forever. They last LS2 longer than trucks do, don't they? LS one and yeah, LS one and LS six or five seven. I thought the LS two was a six liter. I almost touched nothing with an actual LS, like an aluminum car engine in it. Almost never. Everything is like uh it has a bent wheel and the whole side gouged in and it has a dirty 4.8 in it. Like, <laughs> no one cares about uh, an actual... Some, one, t- one time someone was like, this is an actual 5.7 aluminum LS1. And I'm like, if Sorry. I had that, I would sell it and buy six 4.8s, you know? <laughs> yeah. It also will break quicker than a 4.8 or 5.3, so... Yeah. What uh? What else, guys? What else do we got? I'm out of my pre-asked questions, so is there anything you want to soapbox about? Oh! This guy says our GM 6-speed auto is good. If someone tuning it is good. That trans can be... I don't think you guys have those, because they're in our trucks. 6L80s? Or do you guys have them in all your Holdens that are auto? Yeah, that's what the that's what the L98s have got. Oh, you call it a ZF... A ZF6 or whatever, trans? Or is that the Ford? 
That's Ford, yeah. Okay, yeah. 6L80 is incredible. You can have a heavy car with 850 rear wheel that drives nice, but will chirp forth, you know. But someone has to know how to tune it. It's easy. Yeah, to, okay. It's easy to make an 80, a 6L80 flare and burn a clutch pack. And if you have a lot of power, it's gone. It's gone in like one flare. Yeah. But then if someone knows what they're doing, like I said, it'll chirp every single gear with 850 rear wheel and weigh 5,000 pounds. It's, it's literally all in the programming. It's easy to make those things hate life. So you can only run them with a factory ACU or will a Holly? Holly doesn't them? do the six speed. No, there's a company. It's, it's way more complicated. It, it would be like one of those 20 valve, 20 solenoid valve bodies, wouldn't it? Yeah, because the way I read into it is it's called a mechatronic. It's not really an automatic. I what I understand is it has mechan- it makes pathways with mechanics. It doesn't have a circuit path like an eighty E or a sixty E yeah. solenoids open. It creates a circuit path. So in the time it takes to create the circuit path, you can burn the trans. So once the clutch packs are applied, it'll handle like a million horsepower. But it's uh getting it to it yanks all the timing, completes the shift, and then when it tells it it's done and engaged, it throws the timing back at it which can be very fast if it's set up correctly. But the issue yeah. is if the transmission is not happy in any way, shape, or form, it defaults to no path and neutral. So it's like rev limiter or, you know, slipping. Ah, uh, right. That's, that's not smart. <laughs> because it needs, it needs to be satiated with all this happy input data or it just grabs it out of gear. Yeah. If you have one that's pissed off, you can put it in... If you don't have it hooked up right, you can put it in reverse and drive, and you can't even move it. It's not like an ADE that'll limp. Yeah. Like second... So they, they'll have up like third and reverse, won't It they? doesn't exist. It's not there. <laughs> so that's the issue there, is because they can just do solenoid outputs. There's a company called US Shift, and I've used... They have a, uh, a four-speed, a 6L80E and a 4L80E controller. It works fantastic. And it's not that bad to set up, and the software is not bad. And I hear they have a controller for the 6R80E Ford 6-speed. And people say the same. Some people say it's garbage, but I think it's because they don't understand how to program an automatic correctly. Uh, And then other people say it's fantastic. And actually, James Carger, who's a tuner, has a Supra, a Toyota Supra Mark IV, with a Ford 6R80E. And it's incredible to see how that just keeps it in the power band, like wild. It sounds like an F1 car. Yeah. There's a like video of him. They were talking about that as well, weren't you? So that same company is developing a controller for the 6L80 and 6L90E. And I even watched a full boost video or someone similar, Australian video, and they have a guy running their prototype and he loves it, but they're not ready to take it to market yet. And the guy... I emailed them and asked about it, and he wouldn't uh, talk about that, what I was asking about, but said, we're a ways out from releasing it. But I think that'll be a huge thing when it does come out, because there's there's a lot of these trannies, and they're very capable, and having the tighter ratios is awesome. Yeah, especially for a smaller engine that's struggling, like, like a 3-liter or something like that that wants to be kept in its power band. Oh, Motec USA makes a 6R80 swap kit. I'm sure Motec can control it, but is it $10,000? <laughs> yeah. It would be. I always harp on them to do, like, the six-speed auto. But, like you said, and it's true, and I know that they just tell me to fuck off, 
no one in a drag race world with a giant V8 is using a 6L80. So they're like, you know, we don't care. No one's going to, they're like, we're going to spend so much money doing that, and no one's going to buy it. And I, I have to agree, no one's going to buy it. I just ordered a power glide for my car. <laughs> it's like, should I get a really complicated gearbox or a power glide? Exactly, yeah. Cool. Know, you think a two-speed is garbage until you have one that'll sit at 6,000 on the converter all day and make uh I showed someone the other day because I did a... The, I show dyno videos in mile an hour because they're all usually relatively big turbo auto cars. And if you look at an RPM plot on that, it looks like an upside-down hockey stick. It looks terrible. But like you guys with the hub dynos, it plots it over mile an hour. So you can see, you know, it comes up on 750 wheel and holds that for 120 miles an hour. So when I show someone, because they're like, well, what power is it making at what RPM? I'm like, this bitch goes to 6,500 and sits there for 100 miles an hour. And the last 20, it goes to 7,000 and then we lift. That's that's why you don't don't worry about, take it to the track and see if it works. That's, that's not a, yeah, a big loose auto is not, not the right thing for... Uh, trying to get internet points for dyno sheets. <laughs> so that's why I did a video explaining why I always plot in mile an hour, because then I show people what it looks like in RPM, and I'm like, what does this tell you? Nothing. What is this mile an hour plot where it's putting down max power for 100 miles an hour and high is incredible, because that thing's already going to be at full power first, second, and then third. It's making that 750 wheel for the entire pass, and that's why they fly. Uh, Motec isn't that much more than a Dominator. Really? What about uh, a Motec that controls a 6R80E? You, you, a base you model Motec probably mind. isn't bad. I mean, a Dominator... Motec like, are, like, freaking amazing. They are. Yeah. But, yeah, they, you got to read between the lines when, it, when you're buying a Motec because they, they don't come with wiring looms. They don't... you you, you got to pay for packages and stuff like that. It's, it's a motorsport ECU, not a... Not a uh, 4.8 with uh, VS Racing Turbo <laughs> Then I've heard you got to like, keep uh, it in perspective. Like it's it's not built for that at all. Like it's it's for friggin' Le Mans cars, not <laughs> yeah, not street drag cars. People are saying they start around 4K, but then I've heard stuff like they won't give you firmware that does all the features the box can do for that price. You need no, to pay more for capable that's, firmware. That's your package. Yeah. So yeah, you got um, yeah. They've, they've always been like that, but we used to joke that um, that the gold box Motex came with a credit card slot huh. for when you wanted to do some of the stuff that the thing can do, but they won't let you. So you just swipe your credit card and pick the next uh, option <laughs> on the list. I think this guy mentioned it too. I say this every other podcast, but the BMW DCT swaps are pretty sweet, and I said the same thing. Because they make ECUs that directly control that BMW mm. DCT now, like Max ECU and other things. Oh, and, I have uh, one in the shed. So I'm like, I was going to use a H, HTG, I think, the one yep. I was. That's the one where you solder it in and you can do anything yeah. you want. But I I've think got it's cool that you can buy like a Max guts out of it and send it to Sweden, I think, and they're going to do it. But yeah. I haven't got around to it. But they, uh, it's cool because. Uh, you can directly also, plug that in. They they also do the ZF eight eight HP, so the the eight speed version of the ZF six. Hmm. Supposed to be like it's common as over there, so they 
they use those, but they can transbreak them and all sorts of stuff with the with that um, HTG ECU. Yeah, those are cool. I first time I heard about that was there's a hill climb car that was on Hoonigan, like autofocus or whatever they call that, and it was like a two liter TDI in. It looked like a Volkswagen Beetle, but it's actually like a cup race car in parts of Europe. It's almost like a Legends car here, but they put a TDI in the back with compound turbos, and they put a dual-clutch 7-speed Volkswagen DTC, like from a Gent Mark V GTI or whatever, in it, and they programmed that box. And uh, like he said, it would keep it in the meat of the torque like the whole way up. He actually... He actually beat this guy that just does it himself and brought the car here from the UK, beat out like most of the diesel classes that have like huge organizations here. And he's just like some silly fuck with a TDI and a Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> Is it an actual Beetle, like an old It's not. Old it's, like a, it's like a cup car. It's like a class. It's a one-seater. Oh, so it's a body draped over a t- yeah, tube frame. Like I said, it's something funny. He he goes into length about it because he goes, you know, Miata class here. This is our Miata class, and I'm like, oh. Like, but what's funny is you never entry level racing sort of thing, like a yeah, it's like a little roll like cage a formula. Yeah, so you yeah. can beat up the body and just replace the body or whatever. Yeah, but then. Uh, I thought it was funny because that guy did that well and he's not known at all, but no one talked about him except for fucking Hoonigans. <laughs> no one wanted Let, to report yeah. how well he did. I'm very curious about that BMW trans, though. I'd love to... I've mentioned a bunch of times it'd be cool to build another Fairmont that I could totally Swiss cheese down to like 2,000 pounds, 2,200 with me in it. With like a aluminum 438 inch LS3 and uh, that seven speed and gear it to go through the traps in seventh, so it'll make six gear changes. It'll probably go like yeah. a nine zero. <laughs> Imagine seeing Just... a Ford Fairmont make six gear changes as it goes. Like sounds like a Liberty. <laughs> yeah, he was going to make people look bad. Yep, that's what someone else said about that guy. Cool. What else do we have to go over? I think we almost got everything, unless you guys... I'll ask you guys for questions now. It's a French guy with a VW bug and a Porsche PDK. It was a Porsche PDK. Ah, oh, PDK, yeah. But still, it's, it's pretty it's much... better a, than a DSG. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Well, I just meant it was like a dual clutch. It was a... Yeah. Uh, you know... The gearing in BMW is weird for drag racing, yeah. There's videos... The- there's Mac two different types of gear 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 sets for the DCT. Oh, there's one that. that's seventh gear is one to one, and the newer one is has got two overdrives. So they just have different gear ratio, different diff ratios to suit. But um, apparently the newer one's better. Like I've got the I've got the one to one seventh version, but uh, I was going to put it behind a K24. So yeah, I was like I can rev the you know, they want to rev, so. But that, that makes sense to me. I think he took someone, uh, my buddy Kenny just says, I hope he goes against, or he goes against Chuckles Garage. I think he was like a second behind that guy, and he was the winner. But no one talks about him. Oh, he's putting a BMW six-cylinder diesel in that bug right now. Wow, people know all about this guy I'm talking about. <laughs> 
And then uh, that makes sense because some of the BMWs probably have like a Turbo 4 or whatever, and then some have a V8, and then some are big body cars with. Yeah. And so then... the, the V8 DCT is different again. Wow. Uh, it's it's heaps bigger in the bell housing and, and uh, more presumably bigger all around because it probably had some crazy 600 horsepower twin turbo BMW V8 in it or something. It's like M, M4, I think. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to keep up with all these late model European cars. I've never been good at the E class, C class, Mercedes, uh, BMW numbers. I'm like they almost made sense in the eighties, and then after that, it didn't. It's just like what? Then they have an M1 that's like smaller, but not the smallest. Then they have an M4 that's not what you think it is, and yeah, then it's they're just doing whatever the hell they want now. Yeah. Oh, uh, Chris says, did you get my beer question? What was that? Oh, I think that was the Modelo. <laughs> Ask it again. Who can drink more Modelo? Someone or someone, I think he wrote. There's, did I meet Chris when when we're, we're over there? Like, I don't think so, but he's friends with all those guys. With, and yeah. he comes over here like for World Cup. He's going to be here. He's actually probably going to be one of my next guests because he lives in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona-ish. Uh, I think he moved, but he's he's around there. What what's the difference? But uh, you probably he knows all your shit. He gives Matt Selapex so much shit daily. <laughs> I'll just say that much. We talked about lemon squash, but it's a beer that they weren't sure if they could call it beer on YouTube, so they started calling it lemon squash because of the color of the can. Is that right? Yeah, that's a simple one. How large would you let Matt make your cowl hood? Matt Selipak, because he loves cowl hoods. We just rip... We find People find pictures of, like, the cowl hood that's taller than the roof. Yeah. And they're like, hey, I, we know you want to buy this thing, blah, blah, that's blah. That's that Mustang. They, you, can, you can't see anything out of that thing. It's, it's, like, it's got a barrel in it, so it doesn't need anything, but it's got this... Because it used to have that big Windsor in it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I hate them. If but, it can be flat, that's all I want. Yeah. That's my biggest gripe with building this mustang is it's gonna have to have like the cobra r hood because everything else is some ugly right angle cowl so i want to get like the stepped one that's fairly subtle just to fit that double intake and then if that sucks i'm going straight to a flat hood and like a ls intake plastic garbage this let just cut holes in the hood and don't worry about it. well i'm gonna do that with the stock like one. The dumb thing. we'll see how it looks because it's gonna have sealed throttle bodies anyway so it probably only needs to get cut around the humps, so you might just see the two throttle bodies or whatever, and then I'm going to try that first before I spend a lot of money on a hood. Oh, out of the skid factory, guys, Benny's and Mighty Car Mods, who can slam the most Modellos? Oh, me, but by far. Benny, Benny and those guys, they don't even drink, I don't think. I don't think the Mighty Car Mods guys do. They don't really say anything about it. Matt starts at 6 and goes to 12 feet for a cowl. <laughs> Which Mighty Car Mods car was your least favorite to work on? Uh, It'd be cool to get the inverse of that then, too. What was your favorite and not favorite? Um, I don't really dig the Mini because I don't think it fitted very well. But... That's just my opinion. They, um, 
there was there was issues, but all the other ones were cool. The Subaru and that that was that was kind of my idea, the whole six cylinder thing. And I, I just usually, you know, sell it to sell it to Marty, and he's like, "Yeah, cool, let's do that," hmm. and it worked. So it's, uh, he still drives it every day after how many however many years. I'm going to use the little boys' room if you want to keep explaining Mighty Car Mods cars that are good or bad. It seems like they were all great, except for, yeah, that Mini when they when you supercharged the stock engine and it was just awful. And then he, I was so happy when he just B-Seriesed it. It was so, it was so weird that that, the, that just did not work, that thing, that supercharger kit. It was hopeless. But who knows? No. Let me look up some questions. <laughs> Chlamydia infested koalas, yeah. That. Have I had any bad experience with drop bears? No. I think we explained this earlier. Most of the koalas are just about dead. They're not, they're not really in the zombie zone of dropping out of trees and killing you. I'm back. Ever, ever played with DSMs? We don't have DSMs. That's good. You don't want to touch them anyway. My wife will probably come out and kick me. We do have Mitsubishis. Hmm. That's all the DSM is, isn't it? Just a yeah. Diamond Star, Diamond Star Motors. You have four G63s. Yeah, we we had. They did sell Evos here. Evo six point five Mackinans they sold, and then I think nines. But we got a lot of imports as well. So there's one to ten. Oh, there's a guy here that says he's a Benz dealer. He worked at a Benz dealer for over 10 years, and he can barely follow the naming. And he says, when you walk underneath one on a lift, they all look identical. I like Super Grants. Sloppy Stage 2. I was going to try to get you some of those. The cam? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'll, t I'll hit up Elgin and see if they send me... I'll ask them for a pallet of them, and then I'll ship you guys, like, two or three of them. They every owe now, you selling all those cans. Every now and then, like, I'll ask them for some, and they ship me, like, ten. I'm like, whoa. And I use one, and I give the other ones away. Uh, watch out for Crocs climbing in your back door. Open a big can of Foster's. <laughs> <laughs> experiences with drop bears again 
How are your grommets going? What's that about? My my kids. We call them grommets. It's like oh. a it's like a surfy term for someone that's younger than you. Uh, the grommets are going well. Hmm. The older grommets got his learner's permit, so we spend a lot of time driving around in his Subaru that we built for him. And the younger grommets just making music and stuff. So well, he's not at the moment because I'm in his room. Is the EZ36 worth the trouble, or is the EZ30 better all overall starting point? They're both trouble for a start. I don't think any either of them is better than the other one as far as longevity goes. There's a lot of stuff in an EZ36 that's a lot better than an EZ30, but the biggest problem is that no one makes anything for EZ36s yet, so... Uh, Whereas you can buy pistons and rods and things like that for EZ30s, but EZ30 oil pumps can be a problem. So, and the EZ36, it's got one of those chain-driven pumps that lives inside the sump that's like this big. So, it's not going to have oiling issues, whereas the EZ30's got a little, you know, just like a traditional crank snout-mounted pump. And I have had dramas with just total loss of oil pressure that then comes back when it feels like it. So it's probably a relief valve or something like that. Oh, someone says any updates on the Cummins Patrol. I think you talked about it earlier. It's, it's just, just sitting, sitting in my yard. Yeah, it's just, it works. Uh, my buddy Chris says, if I sub to your Patreon, will you put me at the top spot on the lift? And if not, can I bribe you with Modelo's? <laughs> you bribe me with Modelo's? That usually works. Um, I think the top spot on the list is people that have been there since day one and, you know, give us money for nothing. It's, a, it's the guilt list. Well, people are saying, like, streetcar versus race car again uh, and lockdowns and stuff. But, I mean, we went over that, guys. But, obviously, you like streetcars better because you can't do anything with a race car in Australia. Yeah, you want a car that you can just drive around and do. I think I explained earlier the problem was that roll cages aren't legal for a road car, but you've got to have one to to do faster than ten five. I think so. Hmm. You just you're screwed. Like you either have a put a cage in the car so you can do that stuff, but then it makes it illegal to drive on the road. So it's difficult. And then you said you also have less tracks, so yeah, there's thousand k's between tracks, so 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 a dedicated race car is usually a, a garage ornament with a lot of money in it. So a, a lot of people, that's why roll racing has become very popular, which is that's what they do on the same track that we do that cruising. They call it cruising, but it's actually just like drag racing people on a racetrack. So they do roll racing, and that, that's become really popular because they don't have the... It's all to do with insurance. Like, you don't need a roll cage to do it. You probably should because most of the cars are very powerful. But it's, um, it's been... It's quite it's a reasonable spectator sport too because the, the, the cars are... You can kind of stand right next to them and see them race rather than sort of being in a green stand behind a, 
Oh, that is cool. I watched the Bedford. I'm, I'm very familiar with seeing that track. And uh, the Bedford episode was cool. But yeah, that straightaway where you can stand like right next to the cars is so cool. Oh, yeah, that track, that's, a, that's a terrible circuit racing track, but it's awesome for, for that because it's just got four drag, four drag strips. It's just like straight, 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 repeat. So it's one of the best tracks for that sort of event, but it's really boring for, for, to watch for circuit racing because it's no, it's got no contours or anything like that. It's just flat. And then, uh, my buddy Kenny says 2J or Barra and you said, uh, 2J is a beast and a, a Barra most of the time you have to spend more money than a 2J just to make a weaker engine. A 2J out of the box is a beast. Yeah. The Barras, most of the Barras aren't. So. People, I don't know whether guys think that they're all the same, but they're completely not. Like the the two hundred dollar taxi engine, the rods will go through the block like really low power. Whereas a, an FG turbo engine that costs five thousand dollars, it won't do that. You can you can run. Well, we ran, I don't know, seven hundred horsepower at the wheels or something through a stock one with just head studs and all pump gears, which is really common. For, for the car that they came out of, people do that. But, um, yeah, to build a barra out of a $200 engine, it costs 10 grand. So. <laughs> but it's, it's better than the FG stock engine, but it still costs more. We've just, we have done that to a car that's in the shed, went, went down that route to basically to probably show people that's your options. What uh what aftermarket ECUs have you used that you liked and haven't liked other than Haltech? Uh Link slash what what used to be called Vipec. They're quite good. Um Motec is good, but the new stuff is like the M the one series, that's that's race car stuff, like it's way way more than what you want to get involved in if you, unless you're like a race car engineer. Uh, but the old gold box stuff, like the hundred series, they, they're really good. Hundred um, percent, like fail proof, everything works. But they got it right way before everyone else did in the, in this country, as far as reliability and stuff goes, with trigger filtering and that sort of thing. Um, I haven't used a lot of other stuff. I d- we did a lot of factory ECU stuff for, for many years because the aftermarket stuff wasn't wasn't great back in the. Prior to mid two thousands, the aftermarket ECUs were that's not very good. <laughs> like you couldn't run a high powered engine with one because they just weren't accurate enough. Like the, I guess the the engine position data wasn't wasn't good enough, so they it was easy to get something wrong. So we used to use a lot of factory ECUs back in the day, but we never had thousand horsepower street cars <laughs> so if you made 500 horsepower out of a 2j or something it was like wow this is crazy but now it's double that oh my buddy chris asks what's the ballpark cost of that toyo v8 going in the skyline like just the motor chris i think it's a nissan v8 oh the nissan v8 yeah it's a v4 like out of a 2008 titan uh, I was going to say it's the Titan motor, I thought you guys said, yeah. right? But, yeah, well, that's what it started as, but now it's not now. But <laughs> um, 
Isn't that a he said it was about twenty eight thousand dollars or something? Like that's a crate sure. motor built by some motorsports company. Hartley's Motorsport, yeah. Yeah. So that's not what a junkyard Titan motor. No, is. no, it's far from a junk. Well, it was a junkyard engine, but it's not now. I think that's why he was asking, "What's the ballpark of that expensive version of the Titan engine?" It's you can buy the the, the whole. Well, they're part of this project was that they're going to start selling parts for VK56s, which is, as far as we know, not really a thing, because not many people use them. So stuff to convert them over to, you can carburet them, you can um, oh, so get rid of the market. Yeah, it's it's a, 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 an advertising platform is, is their part of the, the deal is, is trying to move towards more selling parts than building um, race motors for rich farmers. <laughs> Alan, did you ever think you would become this famous for doing cool or dumb stuff to cars? Of course not. It's it's a pretty strange um, career path. Imagine but what it's like for like kids that stream at 16 years old to be worth millions of dollars and mm. pay to their say to their high school teachers, like, I literally make millions uh, playing video games all day. Yeah. What a weird world now. It is. <laughs> what would you build, both of you, what would you build if you had an unlimited budget? I, we talked about stuff like that before, and I, I want to build everything. So I guess I would build everything I could think of, because my budget lots would be unlimited. Of, lots of different cars, yeah. Yeah, everything. I would do coyote builds because I had a, I had a, you know, an unlimited credit card or something. <laughs> I've been dreaming of a EZ30 turbo swap in my six-speed 06 Outback XT. Does the EJ25 clutch stuff bolt to an EZ30? Are the ECs yep. similar enough to keep the body harness and add some wiring? No, the engine bolts up mechanically. Everything fits like Lego. Like that's what Subarus have always been uh, known for. It's a good thing, but ECU wise, no. Here, I don't even know. How, I could never get uh, like a plastic manifold EZ30 ECU to work outside of a car. Like they, there still was too much integration by that time. They had um, like the. You can't remove the security, and it won't operate properly without the the dash, like the instrument cluster, because it's like an integrated unit, like a body module or something that that is communicating all the time. So um, I've never, I've had one running on the ground, but I've never. It just wouldn't work once you touch the throttle. Once it would go nuts. Stuff's missing. Your throttle doesn't work anymore, and it is just idle. So I've always used aftermarket ECUs on those. Uh, unless you, I don't know what what their, what your market is for stuff like that, whether you've got those engines there and maybe you can pull the whole lot out of a car the same age and swap it into it, including the cluster and stuff, and it would probably work. But I tend to avoid factory ECUs these days. Spend a lot of time pulling hair out over them, <laughs> trying to guess what that thing wants. Yeah, even if you wanted to spoof it or do something. That's where I guess you could do... Uh, lately, I like doing the... 
or telling people to do like an integrated Holly install instead of just using like HP tuners because uh, reality is like if it's a streetcar and you want all of that functionality but then you don't want to lose like everything in the dash and AC and all the other things that you can have uh, it's nicer just to integrate a, a Terminator because then you have like nitrous turbo E85 like all the good stuff rescale it live tuning everything you can imagine but uh similar to that you might be able to just like two ecus or some garbage in there so they offer integration for common vehicles now for the for like a can integration is it or yeah yeah so, the whole yeah Haltech, Haltech does that for common vehicles i guess yeah because they have that plug and play falcon ecu that just lights yeah. everything off the the hardest part about that was the integration with the ZF because it's a yeah mechatronic box and each generation or f- every few years the whole messaging would change and they would have to you know have every one of those vehicles and to do all the the sniffing and everything to find out what all those messages were to, and to to be that specific about it because as you know like if they don't get the right messaging they just stop working altogether. yeah that mechatronic just like i said goes to neutral it just dips out it's like i'm out of here or worst case is it it takes so long it gets confused and takes so long to apply the gear that you burn it yeah immediately you know what haltech should do is if they feel frisky is uh do 6l ade control and then i'll be buying them Put six speeds and dumb things. Yeah, they've got four LAD on the, I think on, on the Nexus it's in there, hmm. and, and on well, which I guess that would be four L sixty and probably any other old four speed auto as well. But yeah, uh, or you can, you can use a like an IO box, and they've got like a tutorial about how to to wire an IO box. So that's your that's your transmission computer, and then it just connects with CAN to the to the main computer. So, yeah, it's it's a whole other thing now. The auto control is like I don't think people understand. It's like it's like that's a whole other machine to control. It's it's as it's as much work as an engine computer really to get yeah, it to work for, properly for the complicated transmissions. Yeah, because the uh, there's a TCU. People might not realize inside the six L eighty and six L ninety e there's its own ECU in it, and it needs to see like a wild amount of data streams from the ECU, because, yeah. like I said, if you're not yanking all the power out of it to complete that shift, and it can't see RPM, TPS, like, it's not happy with... I actually had a couple friends that are good at CAN, and they, uh, one of them's Mike Page, and he owns a website, uh, E90 LSX or something like that, where he specializes in swap parts putting LSs into the E90 BMW platform, mm-hmm. the newer one, and he has a CAN bus box that does all... It plugs into a Holly Terminator or any Holly CAN product, and it satiates all of the stock things for a BMW. Like, it makes the tack work. It makes the speedometer work. It makes everything happy that's not happy. It even reports, like, active mile per gallon, and everything literally works. And I've said to him, I'm like, dude, make a box that does this or this. I mean, realistically, I said, you just need to... He already knows the PIDs for, like, the stock ECU for E38 and Holly. I'm like, all you need to do... I bet the tranny will work with, like, 12 inputs. So if you could take the Holly like RPM and spit it as the GM RPM to the tranny yeah. over the can lines and like what gear it's in or whatever, like anything of the, and then, uh, because you need that, 
if you ever do you ever do tuning with one of those six L80s, there's like a reported <laughs> torque amount, and that's how it knows how aggressive to be with the changes. If it's just yeah. driving, if it's wide open, so it needs like this torque output number to shift correctly. So I said to him, you could use like fuel flow, and then just translate that to torque number, and then the tranny would like all of that would work, and then you could. Uh, you could somehow tell the Holly to yank timing on the shifts, like just a box. That, and then I'm like, it doesn't even need to control a 6L80E. It just needs to spit. Uh, yeah, happy that's, that's exactly what the Barra uh, plugin does. It, it, it's it's feeding the the right information to the ZF um, mechatronic, the trans computer. So, yeah, in theory, it's not that it it's doable in theory, but yeah. There's, there's the problem when you get different trans out of different year models and stuff and you don't know what that what that mechatronic is wants to see until you hook it up and see if it works properly. I would say uh, Chris can probably answer this, but I have flashed a bunch of the transmissions with totally different transmission operating systems and they don't seem to have an issue. So you could get like a common ground truck OS for like a two-wheel drive Sierra and dump in that because unfortunately you probably still need to change the tune a tiny bit to get the shift perfect but you yeah. could easily build a box that uh and then chris also says he's, he tries to make everybody do an e38 to holly what sucks is like Haltech already has it and then uh like i said max ecu for plug and play dual clutch has e38 can bus input output built in also so Oh, he says you can brick them. Just like I figured, just like an E thirty eight. I've just been lucky to, to not do it. <laughs> but you could basically put in like a baseline config, and then the Holly CAN bus translator box could feed it. Same thing, like you said, all the correct information to do its job correctly. Like it's definitely some not something for the uh, amateur guy on the side of like. He's carjacked up in his in, in his front yard, though. That's really something that should be, that needs a guy like you in control of it. Otherwise, yeah, transmission damage will occur. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. like, if you get if he just makes the translator, I can. Uh, we were thinking about making an advanced table that just outputs the torque number and then the base tune for the trans. Like, you could download the trans tune and then upload one that says uh, has like a six hundred foot pound max. And then you could basically take a bunch of other inputs and make an advanced table that outputs that zero to 600 foot-pounds, and then that would completely adjust your shift sensitivity and timing. Oh, yeah, but I would love to see. In my brain, I'm like, dude, you made you made the Holly tell all the BMW complicated-ass E90 BMW happy. You can't make a box that just says... <laughs> TPS and shoots it out over GM can. That's frustrating. So what is what is Holly use for can? Don't they use GM protocol? It's very it's similar, I think. I don't know enough about can, but uh, there's there's gauges and stuff like uh, Dakota Digital and Speed Hut and other places that can read the Holly can. And I wish they would just like completely give out all the info and unlicense it because people would make. Products and if someone makes an incredible product, Holly could just buy it from them if it's already working. <laughs> then their engineers don't have to waste the time. Pretty but, good at that. <laughs> but I'm a guy with a YouTube channel, and they are a multi-billion-dollar company. So, yeah. uh, like I say all the time, I don't. I'm not in charge, and I don't get it. There's probably 
there's a, uh, you know, from what I know and like what you said earlier to me about, you know, we'll just say insider info, uh, they're working on so many things ahead to catch up or be in front of something that it's not worth messing with a six-speed tranny that's finicky as hell. Mm. Yeah, so. I'm sure they work out what the market is before they bother going there because you okay. can't sell them at no point investing in it. Kenny says they send a different bite bites and different rates so i guess there's like a hertz or a refresh rate and they're different so that's what you need to do the in and out it's pretty annoying isn't it it's it's something that seems like it should be just if we're going to use this communication system we should just sort of standardize it and not yeah like uh obd2 pids like it's just ever this is always rpm or this is always Yeah. yeah would be nice right I think that was the whole idea behind it, wasn't it? To standardize it, so it's... Yeah, that's what he's saying. I know that already, too. Every OE is different outside of OBD2, yeah. I know all the CAN protocols and speeds and amount of addresses and everything's different. Yeah, like he says, message size, literally everything. The the encoding, the packet encoding in front of the actual amount of data is different length. and <laughs> Oh, he actually... OBD2. But anyway, yeah, I digress. I just wish you could use more transmissions, but it is so damn comp. I don't even know everything there is to know about all that, but that's a lot to take in about the stupid mechatronics. But they're incredible when they work, but <laughs> if you get a big converter and an ADE, you're having your cake and eating it too, and that's already plug and play. FZ09, I remember you. Turbo FZ09 came to one of my tuning classes as a turbo Yamaha three-cylinder 900cc. He's using a microsquirt in tandem with a stock drive-by-wire ECU. Logging, protection, flat shift, worked like a charm last five years since your tuning class. Yeah, I mean, but, but you can't make a... Yeah, I'm just... I'm uh, upset that no one will make this CAN bus box for me, even if they will make millions of dollars. What's up with Woody's haircut? I like it. Which one? He's got a new one. He's got like the weird white mohawk now, or is it different already? No, he's got a... He grew that out, and then now he's got like an arrow shaved into his head. No. Like a mohawk with an arrow on the end of it. (laughs) Either way, at least he's doing something. He's a a 20s YouTuber. Like They they do stuff like that. (laughs) Shock and awe. <laughs> he should make I, a, I don't have to do it, so it's all good. He should make like a blackout photo of himself. You won't believe what I did to myself. <laughs> and it's just him with another haircut. Exactly. Insane. The word's insane everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Almost died. It blew up. <laughs> it blew up. I almost died. I do like one video a year where I do that. It's it the, gets, the worst thing about it is it works. Like yeah, it's, I got, I get, it's like playing the game, you know? I get ten times the amount of... I had Cletus on the other day, and I said, you write insane in all your videos, and they get 60 yeah. times the amount. He's like, yeah, it's bad, but I'm like, you got to make money, dude. I get it. I but. watched that, and the the way he described how that thumbnail works was, was excellent. So I never heard anyone anyone actually describe it in a normal term as, like, there's the door, and you just have to make people want to go through the door yeah. so they can even see your content. It's like that's exactly what it is. We spent a lot of time on trying to, you know, no one's going to ever figure it out because it 
that's not how YouTube rolls, but just trying different things and all that, just just to get people to come through the door and watch. And if they don't like it, they don't have to watch again. If they do, all good. Yeah, that's. Uh, it's funny to hear him describe a lot of that stuff. And then I like when he talked about the. Uh, everyone's been bringing it up to me. Where they they talk about we I called it the midnight zone and he called it something else like that ten to a hundred thousand or ten to fifty wherever when you're it is abused by everyone yeah he's like you are just <laughs> getting slammed in that yeah. whatever period that is people you have no idea these people exist and now they're posting four comments in each video at separate times yeah. You never watched a video on Alan? You got you watched the Skid Factory? You don't watch the skid fact? Alan is... Oh. I just want famous money without the famous. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> All right, well, it's uh, it's uh, 11.30 here, and I'm tuning cars tomorrow, so I don't know if anybody has anything else to ask. Alan, what happened to the hatchback with the small engine that you turboed on the show? Ah. Uh. The Daihatsu, I just sold it to a Daihatsu fanatic. It was it was um, super aggressive. It's been through a few gearboxes, and that's what happens when you put an engine like way too big into a car, and then turbo it with a turbo way too big. But it was fun. My friend built the car. I did a video of it back in like when I still had like I had a camera with an awful. Uh, field of view awful like you could only film stuff 50 feet away from you so i had like a a crappy skater fisheye lens to be able to video anything close to me so a lot of my earlier videos are just like the washout sun spot fisheye and some people are like oh it makes me sick but i'm like guys this is 2006 and i just couldn't I, recording inside a car i could show you the radio yeah and then, like, someone's hands. And that would be worse than the fisheye. But, yeah, there's a, a video of me driving Devin, who's been on, like, once or twice. Uh, we recently did a drag racing etiquette video a few videos yeah. ago. He built a a Ford Festiva. We called it the Fastiva. And he did the BP swap, the twin cam Ford Mazda engine, and put a turbo on it and everything and he did all the old school like almost zero tuning at all fmu and some other garbage and uh i i forget what it weighed but he, i've seen him pick up the rear of it before by himself but i mean he's a big guy but still and it made like 215 horsepower and 260 foot pounds of torque and it was just like the most terrifying thing to drive yeah I, I told people the suspension is like imagine an adult like the playground thing where it's a spring and you can bounce off <laughs> imagine that with 215 horsepower and it weighs 1900 pounds and yeah that sounds like exactly pretty much exactly the same as the daihatsu it was i think it made 200 horsepower it's fun because it's, it's trying it to was... kill you the whole time and it makes it fun it would have to be i don't know how much it might be it's a tiny little thing like a k car like a I don't know how much it weigh, but bugger all, like 600 kilos maybe? Same thing, like yeah. 1,200 pounds or something. Yeah. They're roughly double for Ks, right? Yeah, that was a bit of fun. Just the sort of different way to do it. 
instead yeah. of big engine, no weight. Although it was a big engine for the car. It wasn't supposed to be in there. Yeah, and then that car had like 12-inch steel wheels, and it had no tire. So you'd roll into it in like fourth, and out of nowhere it would blindside the tire, spin one torque steer into the concrete divider, and you're like, holy shit, you got to be awake to drive this car. Torque steer is something else. eh? It's it's so different to drive a a powerful front-wheel drive car. that It's just like I'm I'm just going to do whatever the hell I want (laughs) whenever I want, so be ready. I have so much respect for those seven-second front-wheel drive cars. I'm like, imagine how stupid that is up top. Yeah, but that car, you can see me, I'm driving it, and it's just out of nowhere. It's like, and I'm like, I'm like steering everywhere to try to make it go straight. Al, what ECU would you use for a stock EFI 6VK combo? What? Comma? Commodore? VK? Commodore? Six-cylinder, I think he means. You Australians shorthand your words so much, you don't even know what Australians are saying. This is is that motor that I was talking about, that when the RB30 came out, it was like, we're in the future now. It's that's the motor that that the RB30 replaced. Replaced Something from the 60s with, with, like, brighter paint on it. Just a 750 would be fine. Elite 750. Cheapest thing you can get. Oh, someone says, what happened to my Colorado? A guy a guy who's a pilot flew out from Ohio, jumped in it, drove it to Ohio, had it for like a year or two. People have been posting about it on Sloppy. Every time it gets a new owner, someone posts about it. But it's it's gone through a bunch of owners now. Uh, someone's asking me why I gave up on my Kia integration. I think I did that. I talked about it in a video. Maybe I should make another one. I think I said it on one of the live chats here, but I was trying to integrate and then turbo my... I have that direct-injected Kia Soul. Mm-hmm. And I, I had no idea it would be as difficult as it would be. It does something funny where I completely uh, did an integrated standalone on it and had LS coil packs and everything you can think of. And it was direct injected, so I added port injectors and all of that stuff and uh, blah, blah, blah. And if you would unplug certain things that you need to to fully run the, the integration ECU instead of the stock one, it would, like, limp the car, which made no sense because I was fully controlling fuel and spark at times. But it would sound like it's running on one cylinder. And I couldn't figure it out, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell is up with this thing. And at some point, I'm like, this motor is so tired... And if I put the turbo on this, it's probably going to blow my transmission or totally blue ball me and like burn my clutch at three PSI or, or something, right? So at that point, I was like, I'm just stopping here. And then I bought another Kia and then I have that Kia. I bought a 24 valve VR64. So I'm going to VR. I have, since me and my friend did his 12 valve, we're going to put a, mine's a 24 valve VR6 with a six speed manual from a Jetta, O2 Jetta. And I'm going to holly that. And I'm thinking about, putting it in with the turbo and everything so I don't have to turbo it later. So, it'll be a Kia Sounds Soul. like a good choice. Yeah, so I think about doing like a 62-62 in pistons and head studs and make like 700 to the tire with the Kia Soul <laughs> and have it sound like that Wookiee 24 valve uh, VR. And then uh, my friend's like, that's not going to work at all. And I'm like, well, I'm going to do undriven wheel speed boost by, you know, and traction control and He's like, oh, well, that would work. I'm like, yeah, no shit, no shit, it would work. I'm not <laughs> stupid. 
I'm like, I'll put a two pound wastegate spring in this thing and have no timing at two PSI. It'll be, I said, I'm going to buy Kragers that are like eight inches wide steel Jeep wheels that cost nothing and put Nittos on it or something. Ready to smash all my axles. But yeah, that'll be funny because no one does that. People have put K-Series in a Kia, and I thought about it because it looks so damn easy, and everyone says it is, and, and just, I'm sure it is. But everyone's doing K-Series. Who the hell is putting a 24-valve VR in a Kia? This guy. And then turbo it immediately, so. <laughs> I'll be looking for... I already have the Holly Dash in the car, and I was trying to integrate it to the Kia motor, but it, like... Whatever it is about that key. What would be better is if in 2012 they were port injection and 5-speed, and I have a 13 and it's direct injected and 6-speed manual, it would have been so much easier to take over the port, I'm sure. I think the ECU actually can tell when you unplug the DI because it's not getting the resistance back on the ECU. And I tried so many ways to like match resistance and put DT connectors on, and I'd swap things back and forth. But it, it ended up eating up... Were you trying to remove the... To take the DI away? I was trying the, to work the... with it, and then I was trying to work by completely unplugging it because it would do all that weird shit. And then I even had uh, a drive-by-wire controller on it and all that worked, and just, I don't... I was like, I'm wasting so much energy on this yeah. that I'm just going to... Sometimes shit doesn't work. That's happened to me heaps of times. <laughs> like, yeah. let's do this. I think this will work. Let's do this crazy thing and blah, blah, blah. And then you get to the end of it and you're like, nah, it didn't work. It was totally not working. Well, it doesn't work properly enough to do it again. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to be able to daily... And then I realized, like, even if it all does work, I'm going to... I'll burn the clutch out of this. And then who makes an upgraded clutch for a Kia Soul? Mm. I started just running into too many negatives. And I'm like, well... I'll, it has 325,000 miles on it, so I'll just keep driving it until it dies, and then hopefully my other, hopefully the all-wheel drive K-Series Mark One Caddy is swapped, and my Mustang is running, and I can pull that in and make a disaster out of that in a weekend, because it's, it's not my wife's car, and it's not something nice, so I can just go old-school sloppy and plasma cut everything and solid weld the motor in there, and I don't care about the rest. No sleep for Matt. Yeah. What do you think of a Honda J-Series? I don't know. People use it. I don't know enough about... It's a V6, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a V6. It's like a 3-liter or something. I don't know. People are starting to race with them, but I think they're like much bigger and heavier, and the K-Series can make just as much or more, and it's lighter and more compact, and I assume it has more tunability because uh, there's just it's more popular right now. Hmm. It's like the caravan idea. Yeah, I say that too. I keep saying like one of those things like like you say the same thing. Like I have 55 cars I want to build in my head. And I always I always wanted to get a Dodge Caravan like a 96. Not mm -hmm. the box, but the slight jelly bean. And do a rear wheel, like a mid-engine rear wheel drive LS swap. Like put the whole back to metal and do like a four link and learn how to do a four link. And then have like a two foot drive shaft. And then I can open the sliding door and work on the motor and have like, it's like a, a, modern, a modern Bedford. Yeah, having the exhaust <laughs> like, but nothing where it's supposed to be. And then I even thought like I should keep the whole Dodge transmission and engine in the front and drive around with that and then go to the track and then fire up the LS, you know, like I was like, oh, that would be cool. Or put like a 50 gallon fuel cell where the engine was. And then I don't know. But then I'm like, you know what? I probably cut that all up and hate it and not finish it like everybody else does and 
I'm already, I have so much nice expensive stuff on this Mustang that people gave me, like uh, sponsored me with. I've never gotten this much sponsorship in my life. And so many gave, so many people gave me so much nice shit that I'm taking forever. It's exactly what I tell people not to do is buy all sorts of nice shit and not finish the car. <laughs> and it's like daunting because so much of it's nice. Now I have to like make everything else nice. I don't want to quit now and make my sponsors look like shit when I MIG weld some used exhaust piping together on a billet. 67, 62 mirror image V-band dual ball yeah. bearing turbo. Like, I can't do it now, so. And then it's taking me, you know, weeks to figure out what kind of radiator I want to put in it so it's the most functional for my air conditioning. And I'm like, I shouldn't be thinking about this. I should be plasma cutting as much as I need to shove this in here. It's a new challenge. Oh, it says, speaking of which, Matt, is Jamie doing a turbo on her VR6? I mean, we have so many cars that just fleet maintenance right now is before winter, and then we're going to store a few of them because we don't have enough garage space to put 13 cars indoor, unfortunately. So some of the nicer ones she likes to store over winter. So we're like winterizing, if that makes sense, swapping the nice wheels off. She has winter wheels for every one of her cars. Like, yeah, guys, it's it's a whole thing. And then like, uh, yeah. So then when it's cold out, all I can do is work on the cars, blah, blah, blah. She does want to turbo it, but it's on the long list of stuff for her to finish now that we're doing. The one day she's like, I always wanted one of those caddy pickups. I'm like, go buy one. And then the diesel was garbage. And I'm like, well, let's rip the motor out. And now we're swapping one. So that was added on top of everything else we're doing. And then she wants to, we're trying to get a building built, but it's stupid now. The cost of materials is through the roof, so can't do that and then uh she's like she wants to drop it she has an rs3 which those are beasts so she's like i want to drop like i don't want to do stages i just want to go right to like one of the higher stock engine packages drop like 10 20 000 and be done never touch the car again four-cylinder engine yeah it's it's called the the rata or the something like that but it's a 2.5 liter five-cylinder 07k is the volkswagen term for it but yeah we have uh I met Hank Iroz, which is the guy that makes like 1,100, 1,500 horsepower with him. And, uh, you know, so she loves it and uh, she wants to do that. Well, we have 14 cars, but we don't count the Honda Element parts car as a running vehicle of ours. I don't even, it doesn't even have a title. Yeah, they call it what's the that, Daza. What's an Element? What's that look like? It is like, uh, it's like a uglier, larger Kia Soul. With less features, sort of, a rubber like an interior. SUV sort of yeah, soccer mom. It's a of. Honda box with a rubber interior, so you can like kill someone in it and hose it out. <laughs> or have heaps of kids in there vomiting on everything. Yeah, it's just meant for like if you have dogs and you you can put your motorcycles in the back and be filthy animal. And they literally advertise it as like you being able to just like hose it out because it's literally <laughs> it's literally like. Uh, one of those that sounds like, pretty handy, actually. It is. It seems pretty cool. They should put a floor drain in the damn thing, because then what do you do with all the water in there? But they're cool. I mean, what was really functional is I've driven a bunch, and their turning radius is fantastic. It's a damn box, so everything fits in it, mm. and uh, they get good fuel economy. I mean, it's a 2.4 liter K series. Uh, you could get them in stick and all wheel drive, which is the one we got. Super rare, but we got the all wheel drive stick shift version. So that's why we're trying to put it all in the stupid truck. Is it the fancy K series, or is, I know there's about 10 of them. 
It's like, it's like the truck version. It's a 2.4 liter, non-crazy V. It has VTEC, but not like uh, only like on con- exhaust or something like that. But you can buy you can buy like a K20A VTEC dual cam VTEC head and put it on a K24. Then you have like a Frankenstein, like a B series mm. one, but yeah, so similar. I got an A K twenty four A three, which is the out of just like a grandma's prelude or cord, cord um, sedan, but that's the good one as the proper V tech and stuff. It's just odd that they put this engine into something that was obviously never going to get used for something <laughs> for what that engine is capable of doing. It's a bit strange, but we'll take it. They're pretty cheap. That's why I actually talked to... Uh, I've tuned two cars with ECU Masters, EMU Black, and I thought it was really cool, and I like that they have VVT and everything else. And uh, they actually have uh, harness adapters and stuff for K-Series and other stuff. And recently I was commenting on videos about ECU Masters, and they commented back that they like what I do, and they're going to build, like, a, a sloppy, dumpy SME Volvo, like 78, 75, 5.3, 4.0, and I'm like, hey, guys, like, I emailed them, and I'm like, hey, would you ever be interested in doing something? Like, I don't know. Like, you don't have to give me anything, but, like, it would be cool to work with you guys. Or, And uh, I said, you know, we're probably going to get something that's K-Series for my wife's truck. Like, we don't have it yet, but it's close. So I don't want to say much more, but would you be interested in something like that? And they said, absolutely. So I'm like, dang. That's cool because they have like a startup, like a complete base stock tune-up file for the K series and everything else. So, garbage VTEC fuel economy—that's what people are saying. You can put Type S cams in it and do partial VTEC. Oh, interesting. I think I think it's going to be so damn. It's going to feel so fast in like a 1,900-pound Swiss can Volkswagen that it's not going to matter much. And if we want to get dumb, we can immediately go straight to a turbo because then we have a standalone like ECU Master on it and make an unusable 400 all-wheel horsepower or something dumb. <laughs> I can't even imagine how dumb that would be. She has an Evo turned down. Like her grocery getter tune in it makes 400 all-wheel on a loaded Mustang dyno. And uh, I can't imagine like half of that weight in a stupid Volkswagen pickup truck. <laughs> so dumb. And she has a GT35R on it, so it's fairly laggy because it's capable of like 750 all wheel. Uh, we would put like a 6262 on the damn K series, so the power band would be super fat. Yeah, we're going to keep it all. We're going to try our damnedest to make it all wheel drive, even if it. We were talking about it today because if you look, the steering rack is right where the output for the rear wheel drive shaft will be. So I said to her, I'm like, we should just gut this thing and I'll do like a Corolla steering rack that has the electric yeah. steering because it doesn't have power steering. It'd be cool to put power steering in it. And I'm like, we should move because it has a weird front end where the axles have to pass through. It doesn't have a subframe. So it's part yeah. of the unibody that the axles and the steering rack go through. But the steering rack is literally in the way of the tunnel. Like, it's all a mess. I'm like, instead of making this work, we should cut most of the front end and tube it and put the engine where we want, and then put a steering rack in that doesn't hit anything else, and call it a day. I'm like, we put the Honda front end in it. Yeah. Well, I said to her, I mean, I still have the subframe and everything, but I'm like, yeah, we should just put the whole... I said to my buddy Kenny, we should cut the whole top off the element 
and cut the whole body off of the unibody and just sit it on, but it's so much wider and everything. Yeah, else. you'd have to add in about this much in, in the middle. And the engine bay and the element, like, cool, you pick up the hood on the element and the motor's like way down in there because the body's oh, so yeah. tall. So if you tried to do that, I bet the everything would be over the fucking windshield line on the stupid Volkswagen. But uh, yeah. Think anything else, Alan? Is Woody's MR2 ever getting anything more done to it? Uh, we we did briefly consider turbocharging it, but it's kind of like stuff starts breaking, like gearbox and that sort of thing, and it's kind of cool as it is. It's slow, but it sounds good. So I don't think we'd. Uh, he's actually trying to sell it now because we've got all these other projects to. To work with and you know how many cars can you have so yeah exactly like when i say to people you know we have so many and uh you want to go nuts uh her and i are very capable so you want to start something but then you don't want to have something apart in your garage so her garage is mainly storage she likes she's a ocd neat freak uh her Porsche had a bunch of rock chips in the bumper. She had the whole front bumper resprayed. So she's like that. <laughs> but uh, so then my garage is like the shit house with the lift and the tools, you know? You go in there to cut something apart and then shove it. And what's cool is this house we bought has passed through garage doors. So it's a two and a half bay oversize with four doors. So what's cool is I can, like, I fire up, I have a John Deere tractor, I can yank a car in and drive out the other side. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And stuff like that, or when you're done, you can just pull it out. Like, if it's cars, like, if you take it apart and it's just filthy, the engine bay and everything's leaking, because we just redid our driveway. We call it the Kmart parking lot. And it's not old enough yet to be seal-coated, so stuff can still mm. destroy it, uh, which the Volkswagen diesel spilled about its entire gas tank <laughs> into the corner. Luckily, it was the entire corner end of the driveway. It ate, like, a basketball-sized hole down to the dirt could scoop it out with your hands it was like sand i could mm. I, well, I wasn't even pissed it was and the driveway is like three months old it was lots of money it's many many square foot yeah. so i cold patched it and we park a car on it now so you don't see it <laughs> so if something's filthy and leaking you can just shove it out into the grass and pressure wash it and then you know so all of that stuff's really cool i never had that before oh people say that she needs to put out more she has her own youtube channel to kind of not be nervous and get better at talking and whatever and they're saying she needs to put out more videos which she wants to but she has like no time less time than me and then she has ideas and she's like like you said you don't no one likes seeing themselves or hearing themselves talk she hates it too to a bigger degree but that's the that's the first hurdle just get over it because you've always looked and sounded like that you just didn't know. Yeah, that was good advice. You said that to me, and I said I've never cared, so it was easy. For, <laughs> it was easy for me. But yeah, she has a lot of stuff with cars. She loves cars, so she doesn't really modify hers as much as I like destroy. Well, now it's getting worse because you know we're both uh, you know with me being extremist. Because she would have been like, man, it'd be cool to do like a retarded motor swap and all wheel drive. I'm like, I'm on it. I'm gonna I'm gonna plasma cut the whole body off right now. And she's like, <laughs> she gets pissed because sometimes I'll spend Let's eight just hours think about on it this for a little bit. Yeah, 
she'll wake up in the morning and be like, what did you do? And I woke up at three to go to the bathroom and you still weren't in the house. And I'm like, the motor's out, the gas tank's out. This is cut. I sliced everything out of the engine. Bay. <laughs> and she's like, I want to work on this car too. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. Yeah. Oh yeah, she did a ride-along video with uh, a guy named Patrick who won a whole bunch of like drag events and stuff. He has 1,100 horsepower RS3. So she, we met up with him uh, at like a car meet or whatever, and then uh, I talked to him for a while and everything else, and he had to go. But I'm like, you should go for a drive with him. Take your camera. And he has that rolling anti-lag, and the car genuinely makes like 1,100 horsepower. Wow. And then it has a Cyvex with uh, traction control, and he has a Haldex and everything else combined. He can change the amount of traction control and power by, like, holding buttons and changing the tack and all that crazy shit. And uh, that's the only time I've seen her get surprised in a car, because she's been with me so long. Like, she doesn't care. It's, it's really hard to surprise her. But in the video, like, he starts anti-lagging it, and she's like, oh, something's going to... Whoa! She gets, like, thrown yeah. back. And she goes, wow, this thing's peppy, she says. <laughs> nice understatement. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny. Uh, yeah, so we're doing all of that. I got a VR in my key. What I want to do is get my Mustang. I want to get it done before the end of the year, so I really started hammering on it. I need to make a video on it, but I bought, like, radiator, intercooler. I bought Cadillac brakes for the front. I bought, you know... It's going to my fab guy because I can't fabricate. Beautiful. I can make. I can stick metal together that spins a turbo, but he's gonna do like a nice stainless thing. And I bought a GTR upgraded R35 GTR intercooler because I was looking up stuff and I didn't like how any of them were. And the R35 one, I measured the dimensions that they posted on selling a slightly damaged one on eBay, and it fits my front end like perfectly. So. He can cut, weld, fix the damage, and then change the inlets or outlets for whatever we need. But most of it looks like it'll drop in. So, like I said, f finding something that fits without building a $4,000 custom intercooler. Yeah. Uh, That's how I roll. It. Yeah, I just like, keep looking through books until looking at eBay or whatever until you find one that looks right. I was looking up singles, and I thought we would make, like, uh, weld them together so that tanks are separate, like verticals or horizontals but put them vertical and weld the tanks and and then i started searching twin turbo cars and i came across the gtr one and uh, they showed the dimensions with a tape measure i'm like wait a second and i like shoved it in my front of my car i'm like holy shit this would be perfect and it's a scratch and dent one it's like 1100 horsepower aftermarket one they wanted 600 bucks for it i'm like I, I after i confirmed it would fit i bought it today i think yesterday but yeah same thing. People are like, I have a Silverado and a GTR apart in my garage, and you can't even work around anything. Same, same thing. Because like when we did the motor swap with her VR, I put only her car in, and we pulled the subframe out, and we put everything in the other bay, and did the whole thing, and set up a Passat subframe, and had it on a wheel dolly, and then, you know, the whole thing. And then you can get space the, is good. Yeah, then you can get the car done in a weekend instead of like fucking around with an engine hoist and everything else, and then you can bring the cars back in. So that's how we like to do that. But yeah. Yeah, it's dual inlet, dual outlet, and it's segmented is the cool thing. It's actually the, at least the aftermarket one is two tanks that don't, like I said, I want to keep it completely segmented yeah. for science and everything else. Uh, it's, it's split like uh, two different intercoolers. 
Nothing like dent and scratch sales. Yeah, it's barely. It, what they did is I think something didn't fit, so they put extra weld on it. But it looks ugly. But it's gonna be in my front bumper. And first, I don't give a shit. Second, it's in my front bumper. As long as it keeps the IATs down and doesn't block up the system. Yeah, like it's not. It's too, working. I was gonna be upset if I had to buy like two aftermarket side mount one eight T intercoolers that are gonna be garbage for power. So the GTR one looked pretty cool. Oh. Any collabs coming up for either of you? Um, there would be if I could go anywhere. <laughs> We're always up for going to the MCM boys and doing something with them, but haven't been able to for two years. But yeah, we'll get out of here one at some point. Yeah, like you said, maybe next year do the racing and drag events and everything else. Is that car still here? Did you take it back home or the Barra Mustang? Yeah, the Mustang's here as well. Yeah, we did. We did. We did one of the. No, it's in Australia. Yeah. Oh, you did take it home. Yeah. Oh, when I think when he realized that it wasn't going to happen for a couple of years because of COVID stuff, he just went, "Oh, bugger it! I'll bring it home." So. I'm pretty sure it's like registered in South Carolina or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> he drives it here. He, they put an exhaust on it with a cutout valve, so you don't have to use the side pipe all the time. But we did it. We did an event, uh, like a drag week type event in it last year, late last year, hmm. and it went well. He says, uh, "Oh, he says, won't that cut down on core size?" Uh, yeah, a little bit, but it segments both kits. It's completely segmented, turbo, throttle, exhaust bank, everything. So it's two very large, it's like four and a half inch thick. And it's two. And it's like 28 inches wide and 17 inches tall and four and a half inches. And it's two 67 millimeter turbos. So I think it has plenty of volume. Oh, can you please explain the Z and Z if it hasn't been talked about? Is it zebra or zebra? <laughs> Z is a Z in Australia. Yeah, that's just how it is. Uh, yeah, I think parts of Europe do it too because uh, Jeremy Clarkson, when he's like three fifty Z or you know whatever, he calls it a Z. Yeah. Uh, Chris says, isn't it balancing anything between the banks? It does have like a half inch threaded thing on both sides where you could put like a hose between and I probably will just for a little bit of pressure but that's not going to be uh, it's not going to be like enough flow to really if it's 800 horsepower on each side a half inch hose between them isn't going to really matter. I'm going to do a map sensor and do the so it has the pressure thing but I want to do another map I think I want to do a T map in both sides and see the that balance might be there for if they if you use mechanical throttles and and only one IAC and it just breathes from the opposite side. Yeah, I've done that done that on a V twelve before. Yeah, I just wanted to test it like that. If it ends up like I said, if it ends up being a joke and turbo speed and everything, I mean the Dominator has twin. I have twin NGKs for it and everything, so I'll see air fuel and it'll automatically trim each side and whatever. If it ends up being garbage, I'll put an LS1 intake on the thing and piss everybody off. 
but uh <laughs> yeah oh is the twin 67s divided no it's actually v-band inlet i have v-band inlet dual ball bearing i think you can run divided doesn't work with with um the no, timing like the firing order on v V8 does it unless it's a flat plane unless you do like that crazy 180 headers or whatever it's called yeah that's right yeah. but yeah it's I have iron truck manifolds that are going to feed V-band inlet 67, 62s. That sounds like what we did on that VK Commodore, the white car with the with the big twin um, Garrett's GT35. V-band in and out, mirror image things. Yeah. yeah, these are GTX clones, like a Garrett GTX series. Yeah. Here, look at this. So they're mirror and then they're V-band inlet. Yeah. So that's you know they're both. That's mirrors. them. <laughs> yep. They're they're uh, a lot of people are doing like the GTX clone. So yeah, it should probably be uh, make some power. But yeah, I'm hoping like 1100 minimum, and then yeah. 1300 maximum would be cool. That's a LQ4, the one that we did with two of those on it. I think it got close to 1,200. Yeah. Through a power glide, a 9-inch. Because I have an ADE, and I'm going to lock it for higher horsepower pulls just for fun. So, yeah. I figured it would do at least 1,100, but then I figured it would have a really fat power band. Like, those would light off really low. They do, yeah. We had trouble like slowing them down as far as like on a trans brake or whatever, just to get the, cause that car doesn't have very good back end in it. So it doesn't, it used to put power down good when it had 600 horsepower. Now it's got double that. It doesn't. <laughs> so yeah. they were, yeah, they're really responsive those things. Cause I built, uh, again, like with the sponsorship overload summit wanted to do stuff with me. So I got a LC nine block, which is one of our aluminum five, three blocks with like a Siamese bore. And it has, the the sleeves are like like an inch thick it's ridiculous on this particular 53 yeah. and uh since they said i could do whatever i wanted i built a stroker stock bore like an idiot just for fun so then uh the guy their engineer Brian Nutter said is actually a good idea with smaller turbos the stroke will make a bigger average power band than like a top end car cuz i'm like i know if i hang twin 80 millimeters on this it'll be retarded but I've done a bunch of top-end power cars, and I want to do something that makes, like, massive amount of power everywhere. I don't care if it makes yeah. a 1,000, but if it makes, you know, the average power band's disgusting, that would be cool. That's what I'm looking forward is, to. Is that a Gen 4 block? Yep. That, that the ones, yeah. Yep. There's one, a friend of mine's got one of those, and he's holding Tirana. It um, he was up near like a stock bottom end thing. It was up near. Oh, it must have been near a thousand, and I think he might have been a rod the other day. Well, like just bent a little bit, like it was tapping on the counterweight mm-hmm. the bottom yep. of the piston. Yeah. So, yeah, that's and it just had Chinese GT thirty fives on it, and just all he's he's like the he's like sloppy mechanics. Our version, he does all that stuff, same stuff that you do, and it just works. Makes fast cars. Everyone's happy. Yeah. <laughs> I think I did. You guys build that on one of the shows. I think I saw that. 
No, no, not this one. He built it all himself. It's pretty cool, actually. It's got the turbos are all hidden underneath the front of the car, and it just looks like an NA car from the when you lift the bonnet. It's also got a roof rack on it, and it's brown. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's like a yeah. It would be a sleeper if it didn't have um, like two, three, five radials on it which is a bit of a giveaway these days and dumps yeah well, that's what i built a car in 2012 it was a fairmont uh made 721 and it was on a stock mustang what we call 10 10 hole or a phone dial wheel and it had a 235 on it and it didn't look like anything at all it went 960 off a foot brake on my first pass and then they're like you can't really race anymore today i said <laughs> i know uh don't you hate that but i drove uh two hours to the track made the foot brake pass, went 968 at 145, drove home on one tank of gas, on pump gas, and had the 235 on it. It cut a 1.5, like, pretty easily. I was worried it was going to spin, so I just was like, let's see how this does. It went a 960. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> oh, not bad. Now I'm going to do, like, I'm going to spend, like, seven days figuring out where I want the turbos, because I have, like, a cavern, because I have that tube front end. And I have a Mustang with an LS in it, so I have, like, enough room to ballroom dance in my engine bay. So I'm like, do I mirror them in the frame rail so they look cool, so you can see they're mirrored? Or do I mirror them out to get the maximum amount of space and kind of hide them? Do I shove them up in my fenders? Or do I put them on display? Or do I... That's my I only usually put turbos in stupid places because there's nowhere else to put yeah. them. So I'm I, saying I, to my wife. The like the easiest thing to get at. If, yeah, if there's an option for that, I said you usually get cornered and it has to go somewhere. Yeah, I'm like my a, biggest decision my is going to be where the hell do I put these because I can put them anywhere and do anything yeah. because I have so much real estate. I'm like I could put them at asshole angles and still get a complete nice bent stainless exhaust. And she's like, she's like uh, first world problems. Where do I put my turbos in my engine bay? <laughs> yeah. Where do I put my free turbos? Yeah, where do I put my free turbos with my free engine and my free tube front end with my free uh, Hughes bolt-together billet ADE triple disc converter with my free Holly EFI Mm. with my free... Yeah, it's it's disgusting. It makes me not sleep at night thinking about it's not going to have oil pressure and, like I said, smack the drive (laughs) shaft and bust the trans and block in half. Yeah, you've... Now that you've got something you've invested more than ripping it out of the junkyard. That's what I always tell people. I'm like, then your attitude changes a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. I now I need protection is, strategies. I'm like, this is why people get so nervous and don't finish anything. And that's why I'm like yeah. stabbing. I'm like shoving with my foot a $200 motor in and like tightening half the bolts and slamming it. And it's fine. How in the burnout cars do they keep a decent IAT? Most of them are methanol. So like yeah, they, they, the more you floor it, it frosts over. It's like air conditioning. Most of them are overheated and cooked and dead by the end of the burnout, yeah. but that's that's just how they roll. Yeah, they it's not really, my, not really my favorite spectator sport, to be honest. That's what you can't, you can't really see anything after about two seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't get it. I think it's, it's more cool. of, a, um, of like a noise and feeling thing, I suppose. It's like it's, watching it's, a, a top fuel or something, you know, like the the, the ground shaking and, the, and you're going deaf. 
It's uh it's bogans on pills. <laughs> I know when I look at the crowd. Do you ever see those yeah. Aussie animations where it's like the guy asking for ciggies at the train station? <laughs> That's what yeah. I think of when I see a burnout event. Yeah. Give me a ciggy. <laughs> Siggy butt brain. Yeah, Siggy butt brain is what he says to the guy. <laughs> Crackheads at the train station. Oh, man. Okay, well, I think we got everything. I don't know, guys. Are there any last questions? It's an event. You have to be there. It's not the same on video. Huh? I understand that, too. Yeah, I agree. Some stuff you're like, yeah, this is kind of boring. but Because when... you can't see what they're doing. You can just smell it and hear it and that sort of thing. So I like when they have the camera near the concrete things and the guy whips around and the lens and everything gets covered in like hot rubber. It yeah. blocks the whole camera out. They had methanol fires and stuff like that as well. It was one of the events that just, you know, set and fired at people in the crowd. <laughs> Shit. It's pretty um, wild. There's that one video I remember seeing the first time about Australian burnout cars, and it was like, they always have a name for the car, like Hectic Burns Down Canterbury, and he starts a burnout way too far back, and it sets fire to, like, all the brush that's dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Methanol fires the bush, like, behind dust, it. Dust. And everyone's yeah. like, stop, and he just keeps doing a burnout, you know, what tips it in at, like, 60. <laughs> People are very passionate about that sport. <laughs> What's that Some guy with the Corolla, the all-motor Corolla? Uh, Lynchy. Lynchy. Yeah. That guy's a... He's, he was on uh, one of the Hoonigan videos, and everyone's, yeah. like, everyone's like, this dude is a loose cannon. Holy yeah, God. he is. <laughs> he did burnouts there by himself and got out and was, like, screaming like he won the Olympics. Like, he was so charged up by himself. He was, like, jumping on his roof. And they're like, how'd that feel? And he was too busy, like, Rick flaring. He's like, woo, just <laughs> out of control. Yeah, that's pretty much it. All right, well, I think that's everything. Oh, they said, uh, well, this guy says, I'm building an 86 C10 with a 6-liter turbo, 4LADE, how much horsepower? If it's, like, that whole 78, 75, don't BS me stuff, it'll make, like, 500 on pump. And then if it's a Gen 2 billet 7875, I've made 950 tire with it. So, like, that same combo with just enough fuel, or depending on if it's flex fuel, uh, 500 horsepower to the tire is more than most people can ever handle, in my opinion. So, if that's not enough, do flex fuel stuff and smash that billet Gen 2. But, yeah, that's what I always... That's that build that everybody copies, I would assume. Uh, like, uh, I do, like, a 100 of those cars a year. That are a mm. copy of my one Colorado build. But yeah. Alright, well, thanks for jo- What time is it there? It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday. Oh, nice. It's midnight here on Sunday. It's 12.06, so it's 6 minutes into Sunday. Alright, well, thanks for coming on. And everybody else. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was awesome to talk Hope to you. everyone's up to date with drop bears and kangaroos that punch you and... <laughs> None of it happens. <laughs> Koalas are just trying to live, like you said, and kangaroos are, you know, Koalas the big ones. Staying alive as it is without attacking humans. <laughs> I didn't know that they were that. Uh, oh, they like, like, like endangered by their own disease. Endangered, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, 
thanks again. Have a good one. Maybe right. we'll have some more Aussies on sometime. We should do like a conference call so we can all yell over each other. That'd be awesome. Like six of us. <laughs> we'll get Woody on next time to get you yeah. wound up with him like Devin and Troy and everybody. All right. Yeah. Thanks cool. again. And I uh, hope everybody had fun. And I'll put this on. It'll probably author tomorrow and I can put it on the audio only because some people watch it drive into work or listen to it yeah. driving to work. So. All right. See you guys later. Awesome. Thanks. Bye.